on this episode of Quantum Week, December 23rd through 29th, 1979. Welcome to Quantum Week. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. Quantum Week is a show in which Chris and I leap into a random week of a random year. We talk about uh, the hit movies and music. Hit movies. Headline, <laughs> headlines, our stories, everything that was going on at that time period. And we are in uh, late December 1979. It's our third show in this time period. Uh, talking Kramer versus Kramer and Promises by Eric Clapton. Boy, did people not like your performance at the live show. That, that was rough. People were not happy oh, with you. Oh, I know. I know. I, I know. know you need to get- At least I didn't shit myself like you did, though. <laughs> it's weird how racist you got, though. That, was, that wasn't necessary. <laughs> that is, no, I, I know. That was rude. I don't know what came over me. It's I think very it's like you shot me up with someone. You slipped me a Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, terrible job by you. But I, I think I did a good job. Even with the poop in my pants, <laughs> I didn't think I did a nice job. <laughs> you did all right. You were stinky, but that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. No one, no one seemed to mind. Uh, but uh, no, we were taping this on uh, on Wednesday uh, before the live show. But it'll come out, obviously, afterwards. So yep. we have no idea how it went. Hopefully, no it, went, idea. hopefully it went well. Jesus, it was, uh, it was last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in their time. In their but in time. our time, it hasn't happened yet. So hopefully, uh, hopefully it was good. Uh, but it's uh, back to business here with uh, the third Patreon of 1979. Yeah. Second Patreon of uh, 1979. Third show, but that's third okay. Show, right? No, I know I get it. You're um, punchy after last night. Yeah, that's right. Drank so much. That's right. All this shitting and drinking. It just made me so so tired. I'm so worn out. Um, all right. So uh, you want to get right into it? Yeah. Kramer versus Kramer. Mm-hmm. What, how do you feel about it? I like this. I had never seen it before in, in its entirety. It was on a little bit on HBO. It's funny. When I was growing up in HBO, the divorce movie that I saw a lot, uh, and one of the you've, yep. Irreconcilable Differences, was on. Oh, feel, yeah. It had Drew Barrymore in yeah. it. I feel like that was on because that came out, I think, in 84. Yep. So that was like something that I think Matt and I would have seen a lot more than this. Obviously, this came out, you know, like two weeks after I was born. Um, but I actually enjoyed this quite a bit. I'm going to give it a B plus, thumbs up. Uh, but I find, I find though, it's not a movie so much about divorce. It's really a movie about being a parent. It is. Uh, a minus for me. I give it a little bit higher grade. I've seen it before, but it's been a long time. I think I saw it. Maybe I saw it in film class or something. Sometime in college, I, I mm. liked it. Or I saw it and liked it. Um, I just think there's a, it's, the characters are so deep. You see them in real situations that you can totally identify with. Um, I, I, I think it's really well done. I really do. I think the acting performances are great too. They're really good. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dustin Hoffman is is excellent. He is. Um, but Meryl Streep d- does the impossible. She is playing a hor- if you just look at the script, an horribly unlikable character. Very unlikable. Like we should hate her. Yes. We should really, really, really hate this person. I agree. But you don't. Well, I don't. I def. Okay, no, I don't hate her. I definitely side with him. Um, well, but, of course. Yeah, I mean, he, that's how the movie's framed. Right. Uh, but. No, she she warms it up like it. She, you she makes it she makes you really identify with her. Like you understand. Like he wasn't perfect. I think the script did a pretty good job with, with that part. She went away. She left. That right. sucks. You can't do that. Yeah. But then in the courtroom scene, you really do see. You know, he Ted owns it. He's like, yeah, I I, I wasn't there for. I didn't. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think that makes it. A but little I bit think easier. You're, it's almost written that way, so we side with him more. You know, if he yeah. went in like pride pipe because it you know it's any divorce is you know, maybe someone is more to blame than somebody else, but potentially, but everyone shares some of the blame they in do. every single divorce. Right. So, um, there's always things that you could have done differently, or maybe you'll see a partner better or whatever it was. There's always things that you could do differently. Yeah. Um, but she owns it too. Like, or she and, does. And actually, and she owns she, it too. She right. does. And when she's sitting there and when Ted's on the stand, yep. 
and they're cutting into him. Um, she feels terrible. She feels you tell. Well, that's her performance, though. Yeah. That's yeah. how, yeah. not using words, yep. she's able to make this character so sympathetic and a character that shouldn't be sympathetic the way it's written, um, which is a great script by Robert Benton. It is. Um, he, he, he's won a couple Oscars for screenwriting. He, he's done the rare double of um, winning for original and adapted, which you don't usually see. What was the original? Uh, it wasn't one that he... From the heart. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. It was the one with oh, Sally Fields. Places in the heart. Places in the heart. Thank you. Yeah, the, yeah, after yeah, this, right? 84 ish. Yeah. It's the one where Sally Fields goes, yep. You like me? You really like me after yep. the second Oscar win. Um, so, yeah, he won for um, for that. So, that, that you don't usually, like, you know, Tarantino has won multiple screenwriting uh, scripts for, but they've all been original. So, he, I think, he, did, he, did he do this back to back? That means he won back to back Oscars? No, there was a movie in the there middle. There was a movie in the middle. Uh, with Meryl Streep in it. Oh, um, uh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, let me find it right now. But um, that's still crazy. Like two movies in five oh, years absolutely. that he won. Sorry, it's still of the night. It's with one of my guys, Roy Scheider. Yes, I have not seen that one, I don't think. Let's take a quick timeout because I did want to talk about this real quick. Okay. So I wanted to cover all that jazz. That's um, right. For, for the show. Um, all that jazz is not streaming, which breaks my heart. I really want you to see this movie. I'd love to see it. Like, I'm like. But should I just see it or do it? Do we, should we, should I wait till we, we're never going to get back to into 79. But if we go back to 79, like, I don't. It is such a great movie. It is the greatest musical I've ever seen. Yeah. It has a uh, Criterion collection and the DVD is fantastic. The Blu-ray is amazing. They really did like a, a great job with it. Mm. It is a, but Matt doesn't, Matt doesn't have a way to show it. I'm just, I was trying to give a way for you to see this because it is. There's gotta be a way for me to find it. It's not on. I'm sure it's on some of the, maybe it's on some of these crazy things. Uh, the I mean, Amazon, the, I can't buy it or something. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But, but it, I know, right? You should be able to. Um, it is. And so Roy Scheider's in that. Yeah. Uh, and, and we'll talk a bit, a bit more maybe about it when we go over the Oscars. Because it was um, it was probably like the second place movie that year. Even though Apocalypse Now came out, um, all that jazz won like five, four or five Oscars that year. Right. It just, they were all like technical or. It's fucking nowhere, it's dude. It's nowhere. I'm yet. in, yeah, I'm in this uh, Just Play, was it Just Play app? Just Watch app? nowhere i know what the fuck it's so weird because they said they just came out with the dvd so it's not like people have forgotten about this movie like it's still kind of in the zeitgeist of, you know to some level as much as a 40 year old movie can be yeah um you know great director bob fossey uh but it is it's definitely not one i would normally gravitate to because of my feelings towards musicals so i never saw that like no i, I believe you know it. it's not you know you hear musical you're like oh it's like chicago which also is fossey but this is very different no, I trust um, your opinion. If you, yeah, if you not, say it's good, I'm going to see it. No one sings in this movie that like out of nowhere. It's not like we're talking, yeah, breaking a song. Yeah, right. It's about the, uh, basically it's about the production of a musical while the creator, the choreographer, the director, like a Bob Fosse type, it is mm. supposed to be kind of Bob Fosse, yeah. is his health is deteriorating because of the horrible choices he made in his life. I see. And that's, so it's not, it's, it's very real. It feels very real. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. feel like a musical, like corny. Hey. Yeah, right. It's none of that. It's very much played by the book. And it, it is such a great, amazing movie. I've, I watched it uh, just as, uh, about six months ago. I, I did a rewatch with Laura. I hadn't seen it and she was blown away. Uh, it's just such a great movie. But Damn, I gotta get, I gotta get it yeah, somehow. It's so great. But Roy Scheider and Meryl Streep are already a still of the night movie that came out um, between. Yes. Uh, uh, Places in the Heart. I don't and, think I've seen it. No, no one did. Uh, only made six million, which even back then was a it, it lost money. Right. Um, which you figure he's coming off of Kramer vs. Kramer. Yes. No, huge, Mer huge hit. Meryl Streep, Roy Scheider. It's a pretty decent. Uh, yes, you know, it is. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, it tanked, and then then he did Places in the Heart, 
Well, Meryl Streep had, what did she have, two Oscars at that point too? Because she did, uh, didn't, oh no, she got nominated for, what was the first film she did? Uh, the, uh, the Deer Hunter, she got nominated. And then she got nominated for this. So she's a- She didn't- She got nominated she for Deer Hunter. Deer Hunter, did she? Yeah. I think so, yeah. She's very good in that. So um, like, I mean, yeah. by then you'd-, you'd No, and she thinks she might've even won. I think she won for this. She won supporting. Oh, okay. That's what it yeah. was. Right, 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 right. So I think she was nominated again, though, in 80 or 81, too. Really? Yeah, I want to say. I, I could be that wrong. other one. What? Oh, no, wait. What did we just see she her in? She's been nominated so many what times. What did she just see? What did we also see her in uh, 1979? We just saw her in- um, Oh, Manhattan. In Manhattan. But she, she wouldn't have got nominated for that, no. Mary Lennon did. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, Benton's career, though. So he does Places in the Heart, which is a success. Yes. Sally Field wins an Oscar. He wins an Oscar for Best Screen then it kind of just, it, yeah. it slowly falls away. Or it doesn't slowly, it quickly falls away. He does a movie called Nadine with Jeff Bridges and Kim Basinger. It bombs. Um, and then he does the, one of the biggest bombs ever. One of the worst uses of talent in any movie I've ever seen. Mm. Billy Bathgate. I know I saw it, but I have no recollection of it. It is a, it's supposed to be like a crime, like a mobster, like 1930s yeah. kind of movie. Yeah. Uh, listen to this cast. You have Bruce Willis. Yeah. Steve yeah. Buscemi. Yeah. Nicole Kidman. Uh, Dustin Hoffman. Oh. Uh, the problem was they had a guy named Warren Dean. who's He's in the movie Mumford. He's the star of Mumford. Yes. He's also the star in this. He, but they gave him, he plays like the main character mm. and he just can't keep up with these guys. And the script is, it is such a bad movie. It's like laughably bad. Really? Uh, it cost uh, $48 million to make. This oh. is back in 1991. So it's not, that's like 75, 80 today, right? Yes, absolutely. It's a pretty good chunk of change. Yeah. It made 16. Oh. It, I'm, I, I'm old enough. Did you see it? Oh, I've seen it, not yeah. in the theaters. I saw yeah. it uh, like first run cable. Yeah. Like a year later. Cause, Cause everyone, before it came out, everyone's like, oh my God, Kramer, well, Kramer, right. uh, Ben. Yes. Like this is going to be like, it's a, it's a crime. I, you know, I, I, even when I was a kid, I like crime stuff. Like, oh, this yeah, could be yeah. really good. Dustin Hoffman, you know, right. this could be legit. It was so bad. Uh, and it bombed and people like went crazy. Like how bad this did. Like this was like a fucking, like this was like Cuthbert Island of 91. Yeah. So this, did, I mean, did it, did you do anything after that? Did this just Yeah, he did actually made a good movie after that. What so he followed it up with, uh, the thing with Benton too is he makes movies every like three or four years. Yeah. So, um, he's not super prolific. So he followed it up in 94 with nobody's fool, Paul Newman, which I, is actually a very good movie. I know I've seen that, but I don't know um, call it. Yeah, Bruce Willis is in it. It's, yeah. uh, it's really good. Um, the problem was after that, he did a movie called Twilight, not the Twilight no, no. that Matt loves. Oh, uh, that I don't love. <laughs> you forced uh, me to come. No, you like that better than I me. I like it more than you. I know. I'm just busting balls. Uh, I didn't like it, but I liked it more than you. Thumbs up. But listen to this cast for Twilight. Ready? Yeah. Paul Newman. Yeah. Okay. Susan Sarandon. Oh. Gene Hackman. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. James Garner. <laughs> Stockard Channing. Made $15 million. That is, that's a better cast than Billy Bathgate. Yeah, it is. I know. Um, and that movie didn't do well. He did a movie called The Human Stain, which is about Matt Carano. Shut up. Uh, listen to this cast. It's about your pants after the show last night. Uh, Anthony Hopkins, Nicole Kidman, <laughs> again, Ed Harris, oh. Gary Sinise. He gets like- Everybody wants to work with him. I know. It's because of Kramer versus Kramer. Uh, this movie, uh, by the way, uh, he must cost 30 million to make. That's pretty reasonable. Well, yeah. They, this is 19, we're now all the way in 19. I mean, they're no, like, sorry, we can't trust you. We can't trust you with a $60 million budget, $70 million budget. But 30 million, 2003, no, it's, it's like mid, that's a mid, you know? Yeah. Uh, only made 24, which is awful. And he did, nice. the last movie he did was Feast of Love. He's still alive, by the way. Mm -hmm. This movie has Morgan Freeman, Greg Kinnear, um, Jane Alexander, who's, who's in yeah, Kramer's Kramer's, yeah. Uh And that movie uh, completely tanked, made 5 million again. Uh, and that was the end of Robert I wonder Brandon. why the magic left. Maybe, did, I wonder if uh, he works best when he writes the script. 
Or and maybe he has trouble with other people's scripts. I think that's totally true because his best movies are ones where he did not write Billy Bathgate, right? And that bombed, right? And then he, he did not write The Human Stain, the Macarena story. <laughs> <laughs> he did not write Feast of Love. But the movies, his greatest movies, you're absolutely right, Matt, are ones oh. that he he wrote. And he also um he wrote The Late Show, which is with right. uh, Art Carney. I've never seen it. Seen um, it. but I'm old enough to remember it still being like uh, well, revered, well revered. Like it was like a uh, movie people like spoke of fondly. He got, but he got a uh, nomination for screenwriting for that. Oh Jesus! And then he did Kramer vs Kramer, obviously, which is a monster hit, and it was a monster critical darling. Yes. I mean, nine Academy Award nominations. Yeah, it was it was huge. Yeah, yeah, and it won almost it almost swept the categories, um, the major categories. Right, it almost pulled the silence of the lamps. Right, uh, and then you have a place in the heart. Like so, I mean, he's and those are all movies that he wrote. So yeah, and then you know. When you're writing and directing like Ben is, Ben also uh, co-wrote a little movie called Superman. Oh, did he really? But he really didn't, though. Oh. Uh, Mario Puzo. He took some stuff up. The great Mario Puzo. Yes, of course. Wrote the famous, wrote that 550-page <laughs> treatment. Like we said in the Superman episode, one page is a minute. Yes. So Mario Puzo must have done it. 550-minute movie. So it's like 10 hours of Superman. And Fuck it. The script, they got the script, and they're like, oh, my God. Like, we're, we can't. Yeah, this is, what, do we, what do we do this? We so can't pay for this. They gave it to Benton. Yeah. Benton tried to clean up best he could. The treatment that Benton gave them still... It was such a mess because it was, you know. He, yeah, what do you do? You're taking five off right. four fifths of the movie. Yes. And then it went to um, Tom Mankiewicz, mm. who really wrote the script. But because so many people had already touched it, the Screenwriters Guild wouldn't give any more writing credits out. That's how Benton and Puzo were on the. Oh, and I guess yes, Mankiewicz said there's not one word that Puzo wrote that's in the script. No like, way. Like the movie. Really? Yeah. But I guess some of Benton's stuff did carry over like yeah. a couple small things. Oh. But basically it's Mankiewicz who wrote it. But, uh, well, so then, if, then the, then what did they, did they make reference to the original? Like, what did they, how does it, there, it seems like it's a whole new movie. Oh yeah. Then. Oh, okay. from scratch. Right. Yeah. And then, so the, the writer's guild like told Richard Donner, they're like, oh, we're not going to give him credit. Cause some people already touched it. And Donner said, all right, fuck you. I'm going to make you a creative consultant. There you go. And he actually gets the creative consultant title before the writers. <laughs> and like, I guess the guild was pissed. Good for him. They were really mad. Good for Donner. Donner was sticking up for his buddy. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like, he did the work. No, he did all the right. So yeah, so Benton does technically have a writer's credit. He One nice thing that Benton did uh, near the end of his career in 2005, have you seen The Ice Harvest? Yes. Yeah, Billy that Bob that... Thornton and John Cusack? Yes, yes, yes. I did. Like Wichita Falls. Isn't that the one where the, there's a car accident? And, yeah. Uh, uh, yes. Um, it's it's a in the weird ice. Weird movie, yes. Yeah, it is a very weird movie. Yeah. Um, but it's not bad. It's actually no, pretty it's interesting. Pretty good. Uh, he wrote, he co-wrote that. Oh. Um, Seems like he's a good writer then. But he's a good director too, at least at least with this. He did a really good job with this movie. Yeah, I think it's better written than directed. Okay. Well, yeah, but it's it's really well written. So but I don't think that's a huge knock. But it's really well written. It is. And it's decently directed. I think it's pretty well directed. It's pretty good. It's okay. I think he does a good job. Yeah, I give him like a B minus for direction. You think it's that low? I give it like an A minus for the script and like another A for the performances. Yeah. I mean, it's a good movie. I, I have very little complaints. It was, I was pleasantly surprised by it. I was. Oh, did you think it'd be really dated? I don't know. I just didn't know what to expect. And the only thing I was, I mean, I knew Hoffman and Street Pick's going to yeah, be good. Yeah, they were going to be good. But I'm like, is the kid going to annoy me? The kid didn't. No, he was good. He seemed like a like a real a kid. five, six, seven year old kid. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It was Justin Henry's his name, I believe. Uh, he got an Oscar nomination for this. He did, which. Eh. Yeah, it seems a little weird. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is the year that, you know, Apocalypse Now came out. <laughs> right. I mean, like, all right, come right. on, guys. Like, but all right. So they gave it to him. They also gave uh, uh, Academy Award nomination to Melvin Douglas. Now, if you're younger, you probably have no idea who Melvin Douglas is. I'm guessing Matt doesn't even know Melvin, no. which is fine. He's a, uh, he was an actor 
in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Um, he had won uh, multiple Oscars. Um, and he won the second Oscar here. Uh, and then he died uh, two years later. He was, but he was, I think he was 79 when he won. At that time, it was the biggest discrepancy between like the nominees, the youngest like, the and oldest and youngest. And Douglas didn't even go to the, uh, to the uh, show. Um, what was he nominated for? Supporting actor. Oh, from another movie, not in this movie. Oh, for the, uh, yeah, for I'm another sorry, movie. It I was, was um, I don't know if it was the Changeling. He also was the last movie he was in is called Ghost Story. That's also the last movie for Fred Astaire, mm. and it's the last movie for Douglas Fairbanks Jr. Wow. Yeah, and it's the first movie for Michael O'Keefe, who was in uh, Caddyshack. He's the kid yeah. in Caddyshack. Yep. So it's his first movie, and it's those three. It's their the last, last movie. movie. Yeah. I don't know that movie. Peter at all. Straub wrote it. Peter Straub also wrote, um, co-wrote The Talisman with Stephen yep. King. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, Peter Straub wrote, I believe, wrote Ghost Story. Wrote the really wrote the screenplay. I don't know. Maybe it's based on his book. I don't know if he wrote the screenplay. I don't know that. Yeah. When, when was that movie made? Was that the 81. 70, 81? No, yeah. Doug, and Douglas died before the movie came out. So oh. Douglas won the Oscar and was dead in like uh, like 14 months. Oh, my, he, uh, he died like right away. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was so old. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting, right? Yeah, other good performances too. Uh, Jane Alexander does a great job. Nominated and, as well. And Exactly. I love that they have a plutonic relationship. Yeah. Ted and, uh, what's her name in this movie? Um, uh, Margaret. Yes. I love that. I mean, they're, they're, they're two, two single parents like raising their kids and taking care of each other. They live in the same building. I love that that happened. She's really good when, um, uh, is it Billy? What's the little boy's name? Yeah, Billy. Billy. When he gets hurt, I know. And she's so afterwards, she is right. She's so bothered by it because she feels responsible. Yes, which she kind of you know, was a little bit. I don't know. I think it was. I mean, no, he, it was, it was he had his eye off. Her. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, come on, what are you, what are you doing, lady? Uh, <laughs> but no, but it, it wasn't her fault entirely. Oh, no, no. Uh, but 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 uh, but she but she is very affected by it, which is a completely normal. Absolutely, would feel terrible. Like she's doing the dishes, like and this the way it's like. That's a, that's actually a very well shot. See, but, but even better how it shot though was the dialogue. Yeah. No one says it at first. No. No one's like, I'm so sorry. It's it, they do eventually get there, but at first it's just kind of like playful joke. It's very human. It's very real. It is. And you know, it's funny that it's so wild, right? That a movie that's been out for 42 years now uh, feels more real and authentic than most of the movies we've covered oh. in this show. Exactly. Like, I mean, all the Marvel action. But none of that feels real. But These even feel like, like some of the humans. dramas, and I'll, I'll, I'm gonna, I guess what I'm going to give, Mar- really give Marvel a pass for a second because it's a different, it's super yeah, it's a different animal. But even the dramas we've covered, we've, like we've covered some really good ones. We've covered we've some Boyhood great ones. and uh, and um, Boyhood and even like weird, Moonstruck. I was just thinking like, Moonstruck, yeah. weird ones like Moonstruck. But like, um, but other movies though, like City of Angels, for instance, that's oh, much that's- more modern film. But that dialogue never felt real. I know you're talking to an angel, so maybe that's not the best example. But, you know, the Meg Ryan stuff should all feel real and normal. But we talked in that movie, like how Meg Ryan was doing things that no one would ever do normally. Um, Where with this movie, it felt, it felt, and part of it helped that it's in New York and New York's timeless because the architecture never changes because it's all so old. It's already, it's already built to capacity. So it, it kind of, New York always kind of, it does always change. It always kind of stays the same. Yeah. But the interpersonal stuff felt, like it could happen now. It absolutely could. You, two decent people yes. who are going through a divorce, who obviously both love their kid and probably both still love each other to a certain extent, that's just not working, um, would have all these emotions, would have, uh, would, would sort of hate each other a little bit for the breakdown of the marriage, but also really care about each other, care about the kid. They would definitely fight for the kid. They would, you know, they'd both want to have, uh, have, 
uh, have a kid live with them. I mean, it, it just, it felt, felt really entire. I identified with both of them. I could see, I know Meryl Streep was a hated character, but, but I could feel, I understand, I could definitely empathize with her. If she felt like she had gone, this just happened again. I went from a, I went from a, a, a daughter to a, a wife, like mm-hmm. immediately I didn't get to go, oh, it was in boyhood. I didn't get yeah. to go out and explore who I was right. and I wanted to, like I wanted to do creative stuff. I wanted to do productive things in the world that wasn't just raising a kid. I didn't get to do that because I had a child so young and it just, and she just kind of fell in the pattern into that pattern. So I totally empathize with her for wanting to do that, feeling like she needs to grow and do something creative. And she's seeming, she's apparently talented. She's a talented right. artist too. Yeah. I mean, she ended up, she had a job that she was making more money than, uh, than right. Ted. So I could see why she would just, she'd get to a point, especially after eight years, you just get to a point of depression and she, they didn't say it, but it was clear to me that she's like, I was worried I was going to kill myself. Yeah. You know? Or Yeah. She kind of, she does kind of say, doesn't... she does say it right when she gets to the office, I'm going to jump out the window. Okay. Yeah. So, but yeah. that, but that's like the final thing though. It's the final thing she says, like they were really kind of saving that bullet. But even in the court, like they will. talk about that and she doesn't, yeah. she doesn't say. I like how that's done though. It's also like never yeah. too much, right? Like nope. in a courtroom, it would have been too much. It would have been. Um, and we also, it's, you know, this movie is never too much. So we never have like that wacky character who lives down the hall. Oh no. That busts in for comic relief. A weaker movie would have had that. Mm. It would have had the old guy who's like, wants the kids to, you know, stop with that racket or some goofy thing. The only, there's only one element in this movie that's goofy. Oh, I, it? it really actually really annoyed me. <laughs> yeah. And the more I saw the movie and the more I kind of digested afterward and I really appreciate the film, the more it annoyed me is that uh, it's very, very, very beginning of the movie. Uh, Dustin Hoffman's talking to his boss and they end up, it seems very real. Like they're having a conversation yeah. and he's telling a joke, but you never even hear the punchline no, joke because the, the joke's not important. No. It's that he's kind of pushing his family off to have this camaraderie with his boss, which is what you need to do to succeed. Yeah. And then they go down the street and they're walking and there's street musicians playing and oh, they're right. playing the, the theme of the song yeah. of, that we just heard in the credits. And then it goes away from the musicians and it goes back to Meryl Streep's apartment and the music's still going. It's yeah. like, all right. Actually, uh, that was my one problem with the, with, with, in general, I did not like the music for this, uh, for this movie. That kind of up, upbeat, moving classical yeah. picked guitar and other stringed instrument thing. I just, I wasn't, I was like, this is, this does not fit the mood of the. I kind of like it was anti, movie. it was against type a little it bit. It really in was. In the credits. But then once the movie started and we heard it again, I'm like, I'm, I'm good with this. I never, like hit, I never need to hear this again. That Didn't really like annoyed me. Um, yeah. Cause it takes you out of the movie. It's like someone, it's the director trying to be too clever. Yeah. And when I saw it, I was like, oh fuck, here we go. It's going to be always like, see how smart I am kind of thing. I wonder though, like they do that a lot or they, after this movie, later on in the 90s, they used to do that all the time. I think Kevin Smith would go from, like, you're hearing it in the car, and then you're hearing, like, the same right. song. Well, gross, and- that happens to Gross Point Blank. I think it's oh, actually yeah, it does, done yeah. well, though. Like, that is a lighter movie where it is very, it's not to be taken too seriously. It's, yeah, it's kind of I ridiculous. But it, it also is very much about music. Right. That soundtrack's so important. So it he's, is. like, listening to Guns N' Roses, Living Let Die in the car. That's and then he right. goes to the convenience store, you hear the it's elevator, the elevator version, version. music yeah. version of it. That, to me, is fine right. in that movie. But in this movie, where it's just yeah, a very like real it. grounded drama, we don't need that. No. Um, so that felt a little unnecessary, which is unfortunate. But the, the, I didn't like it in the rest of it, though. You were okay with it in the, in the opening credits? I like the opening credits. I like that I said it's against type because mm-hmm. I knew that we're, well, was, this is going to be a, gonna be, yeah. this is going to be a journey. Be a drama. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't mind it there. Um, have you seen the marriage story, a marriage story with Scarlett Johansson and Drive? No. So that to me is much more about divorce than mm. this is. This isn't really about divorce to me at all. 
I mean, you think it's about parenthood. It's, it's really well, about parenthood. Yeah, because right, because uh, Ted and Billy's relationship, you, and and they grow, they they really grow together. Exactly. Uh, yeah, through the stages of grief, uh, you really see yes. it. Like uh, finally, that you get to acceptance when they're sitting next to each other at the table. They're actually facing in the same direction too. Did you notice that they're sitting next to each other at the table at breakfast, and they're both. Eat, like well, how great is that scene? It's a great like, scene. So there's two g- scenes that really embody this movie to me, and, and Matt just brought up one of them. And the first scene was actually really hard for me to watch. And it, it even reminded me of, it had some like Rain Man kind of themes. He's making breakfast for yep. the first time yep. with his son, and he's making this omelet, and he is frantic because, you know, his wife just left him. He's a mess. He's trying to have his shit together. Toast. The French toast stuff. Yeah. And that is like, it was, it was hard to watch. It like, was hard to watch. It was like, he was so frantic and so frustrated. And like, we've all, I mean, I know when I went my through, when I went through my divorce, like it is fucking, it destroys you. And the nice thing for me was I didn't have a kid. I could just be selfish. Yeah. And I could just kind of like, if I'm feeling sad or angry, I can just wallow in that. I don't need to worry about taking care of someone. I can't imagine having to get up and take care of someone. No. If you're listening to this and you've been divorced and you have kids, like my hat's off to you because like, I can't imagine that psychologically. Uh, but he's going through all the shit and he's trying to make French toast. It's a fucking disaster. He burns his on the pan and he gets angry and it's just, it's felt so real. The and entire time he's saying, it's going to be okay, buddy. Everything's good. Right. good. Like we're he's having fun him, or something. Trying yeah. to make himself believe it. Right. Right. Uh, he's like pump, pumping himself up. And, and then it, the bookend of that is a silent breakfast. Yes. But not because of anger. No. Or anything. It's just actually out of comfortability and they just. They're helping a, each other. Yeah. Because Billy's grabbing like the bowls or something. I mean, yeah. And, yes. and then uh, uh, Ted is grabbing Ted, like the, he's, he's pouring, pouring the milk yep, and the juice. Exactly. And, they all set the table together. And they have like this a, rhythm. It's like, yeah, it's a great rhythm. It's yeah. like a, uh, almost like an assembly line of That's sorts. Right. And they sit down and eat and they're not, they're not talking because they're comfortable with each other. Yeah. And that's real. See, a weaker movie, you need to explain how you're comfortable. You need to tell a joke. You need to show that, but uh, show that with words. But Benton was, I guess, felt, strong enough in the performances and with the story, we don't need to stand here. It's just what they do and how they, and that makes the movie feel real. It really does. And that bonds, that is, that's what sticks with you more than anything you said in the movie to me is that breakfast you just talked about. Like yeah. that to me is what. Yeah. Cause it took a while. They fought. Everybody was throwing tantrums. Yeah. He was, Billy was, everybody was, they were yelling at each other. They, you know, screaming at each other and you could feel the loss, but they got past it and, and yeah, it started, started working. It started working out. And they then have like, because it's so funny. Like you miss Meryl Streep for a lot of this movie. She's gone. She, I, I did. She's ta- fucking gone. I did a timestamp. Yeah. She, when she leaves, so she's gone maybe the first, like, I don't know, 15 minutes of the movie, she's gone, right? Yes. She doesn't come back until I think the 53 minute mark. That's now, this is only 105 in a movie. So half the movie. Gone. She's completely gone for. Do we see a glimpse of her in the coffee shop before they actually meet? I can't remember if they telegraph that. They do. Yeah, they you do. You see a glimpse. But still, like she is gone. She's gone. For half the movie, she's not there. I think it makes it easier that Meryl, like we're later on. It's, I think that's harder. Well, she's, no, she was pretty, she was well enough known. Not really. No, I hear what you're saying. No, she wasn't. Not but you like know what this. I mean? Like, yeah, no, it makes it a lot easier because. Like she has a bigger presence yes. now to us because we've she, seen her She did not life. have anywhere yeah. near that presence in 1979. Right. Especially even think about when you saw, when she's, when you saw this. You had seen uh, Deer, Deer Hunter. Hunter, and she has a small role there, and she's quite good, but it's not a, you know, it's, she's very good, but it's, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, and then she's in Manhattan, another small role. Yeah. And that's all you've seen her in. That's right. Stage actor before, so. Right, right, yeah. right. right. If you're, but if yeah. you're a film goer. You wouldn't have seen her, really. And then, you know, there's a good chance that, honestly, most of America didn't see, I mean, Manhattan made money, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't a monster hit. No. And neither was, Deer Hunter did well, but it wasn't like, 
Star Wars. Right. But uh, Kramer vs. Kramer actually was a monster hit. Yeah. So this this might have been the first time many audiences have, had seen her. So I would guess people, I don't know how it was advertised, but people might have like forgotten about her. Oh, like, I just so. thought that she was out of the picture. I think like, absolutely. Gone. I think and you're right. Like we, we, they had to accept it. I mean, it's it called Kramer months. versus Kramer. So maybe, yeah, I guess but, not. But, but you're in the not, moment not thinking about it. No, I wasn't. So I would, right. So it's like, she's gone and they have to accept it and we accept it with them and she's just gone. So for her to come back was kind of like, I mean, I knew she would at this point, but. Right. But you know, but it is, even if you know it's coming, it is pretty jarring when she comes back yeah. and it's jarring to Dustin Hoffman's character. Cause like they have that meeting in that restaurant and it ends with him throwing a glass against the wall, by the way. Yes. He didn't tell her that. No. And he did it and the glass got in her hair and she's like, was furious. And she's like, Hey, next time you got to tell me, you got to tell me, uh, he didn't sound like Dustin Hoffman was the friendliest guy on set with her. I mean, Hoffman's a method actor. Um, that means is like, he tries to be as real as possible when he's making a movie on and off stage. So for instance, with a little boy, he was very friendly with them and they did a lot. A lot of that stuff is improvised that you see. I mean, it looks real. It works with the, the ice cream scene, for instance. Yeah. That's all improvised. Oh, that, that's such a great scene, a great too. Scene. Unbelievable scene. It was like, um, and it feels so real. Um, you just said it like the, he, Dustin Hoffman's character is telling Billy, telling this kid, I'm not going to give you ice cream if you don't finish your food. And then Billy just keeps incrementally taking more and more steps, actually goes out and grabbing it. Every single time, uh, Ted is telling, don't take that next step, don't take that next step. And he still does. And it ends up with the fucking ice cream in his mouth. So if you eat that ice cream, it's, it's, it's going to be very bad. And then he finally, he, <laughs> he does, does, he does eat the, he, you know, and then he ends with Dustin Hoffman picking Billy up and really roughhousing yeah. him and throwing him into the bed. Yeah, he does. And calls him a little shit. Well, I, uh, Billy say? says, I hate you. I hate and you. He says, I hate you back, I mean, you little shit, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And, um, which it, it, but every, parent i'm sure every single parent especially just has breaking moments like every human being has breaking moments and yeah. when you're in that situation you know he's getting pressure from work he's ha he's the pressure of having to be a dad is all kind of fell on his lap he didn't really see this coming i don't think no and um but you have a really nice scene later on he, he goes in and apologizes, and billy apologizes to him and it doesn't linger over the whole movie it doesn't it's like it's it actually feels pretty real it's like all right like the kid's like knew, hey, I fucked up. And Dustin was like, I totally fucked up. And it's like, all right, let's- They move past it. And they do. And it, but it feels, it feels real in the moment and, if, and the aftermath feels real. This movie is incredibly grounded. And it's, it's a real, it's really hard to do. A, it's fucking a thousand years old. I and mean, think about how old I am. Oh, ancient. Um, ancient, no. It's, it's 40 years old. And um, you have a kid actor. So to make that grounded, actually, that's pretty hard to do in 2021 to, so. to make that still work. But it goes back to what I always say is that, and we'll go back to Meryl Streep in a second, but it goes back to what I always say is that we don't need giant things. We don't need the world's going to end. We don't need all this, this craziness going on. Something as simple as a, a, a man and woman getting divorced that have a kid, that's enough. Yeah. That's enough. This movie proves that's enough. Yeah. And th those are the movies I, I, I like small stakes because you know, everything I think, you know, no, it just feels real. Like you can identify with it. And, it. and to me, to me, it's such a, a much more fulfilling experience than a Michael Bay or a Roland oh, God, Emmerich yeah. movie yeah. where like the world's going to, Oh, it's like, it's like, oh, right. and I understand you want different things. Like some people want an action movie, you know, or, you know, they might not want, but to me, like I'll take this kind of movie. Every single time. I agree. Like, I hate going through movies and being like, that's the stupidest decision. Like no one would ever make that right. decision. That's a dumb decision. No one, why is everybody making their dumb decision after dumb decision? 
You don't get that here. You, you can identify with every single decision they make. Good or bad. You're like, okay, I understand why they would have done this. Completely. Yeah. Even the boss, like Dustin Hoffman's boss, He's kind of, I guess, he's a dick, th- but, but, but he's not a villain. No, he's not a villain. I understand that he's a, you know, he's a capitalist. He's got this thing to run. He, he wants, also, he's trying he, to get up to but he partner talks level. About how his boss is giving him shit. That's right. You know, we don't see that side right. of it. Um, and honestly, Dustin Hoffman doesn't seem to be as good of a worker as he was. So I can, no, he wasn't. And it sounded like they lost that account. They did. So, I mean, it's, it's slimy that he took him to lunch to let him go, but that's something that happens. I mean, it happens to Jerry Maguire too. I yeah. mean, you know, but it is a total ass. That's a dick move. It is. Dick um, move. I would never do it. I wouldn't want to have lunch with someone there. Oh, I do say it's like, like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, yeah, just don't. like rip the bandit But they do that so they don't make a scene. Exactly. Right? So, you know, but uh, it's an asshole move. But, but it's still, but it's a move you can understand why he made it though. Dustin Hoffman does have a bit of a temper. He is kind of a wild card a little bit. Yes. So you can understand why you might take that guy out to lunch. Yeah. Instead of having him be in the office. Like the thing, like every, like you mentioned, like even the Jane Alexander stuff, that all feels really real and organic. She's making real choices. Uh, Meryl Streep, as awful as her character would be on paper, the way it's performed and, you know, to some extent how it's written, but really how it's performed makes it feel grounded and real. Um, but yeah, back to that Hoffman Streep stuff. So, right. So it was one thing that, that has been rumored that uh, Mercy says, says did not happen. And I guess there was a rumor of some sort that Dustin Hoffman may have grabbed Meryl Streep's breast without telling her it had nothing to do with the movie. Streep said it didn't happen, but then Streep did say though, he was very difficult on set. I thought that she admitted in a time magazine, um, article, uh, some time ago, but maybe, maybe that the groping just, didn't happen. That it did happen. I thought I read that it didn't. But maybe oh, it didn't. All right. Maybe I, it didn't. Oh, let's, let's always take that one aside. Uh, yeah, sure. Cause he has had other issues though in he the past, has. um, with, with other movies he's made. He was, I guess he's by all accounts, was just like a, like a, a painful fort. Like he would just fort with everybody and was mm. just, you know, that old school amount saying it's good. Uh, I'm saying it's actually not good. It's, it's creepy and weird. It's creepy. Um, but that was the norms of that time for a lot of guys would kind of be creepy and they thought, I'm sure they, in their mind, they might've thought they were being complimentary. They may have thought sure. being playful and fun is how they joke. But I guess he's, um, who is it? Somebody called him like a Borscht Belt flirt, which is like Borscht Belt is like kind of corny comedy from like Henny Youngman type stuff. Like yeah. take my wife, please. Yeah. But like that kind of stuff with flirting. It was just really yeah. over the top with it. Yeah. And, and yeah. yeah. That sucks too, because it's Dustin Hoffman and you probably respect him uh, for his ability. There's going to be a, Maybe not with Meryl Streep, but uh, there's going to be a power imbalance there there's too. There's a huge power imbalance with him and Meryl Streep. Well, well here there is, but not I mean, ten, like 10 years later or something. Maybe no, not 10 years be, later, but, but they never here. worked. They, I'll tell you this, they never worked again together. That's right. Yeah. That's not an accident. Yeah. Um, the director, Benton, did movies with Streep later on and did movies with Hoffman later on. But never together. Never together. Yeah. So I guess that tells you something. It does. It tells you a lot. He said, I thought it said that he smacked her too. He did. Yeah. And she, and she had no idea. It was supposed to be a pantomime snap and it was a real one. Ugh. And, you know, Hoffman also was just like really kind of nasty to her on that he wanted to create that tension that you see between them. He wanted to, in Hoffman's mind, it feels better if it's played, if it's real offset as well. He was hurling insults at yeah. her, using his poor, her poor dead. That's weird. Yeah. He was using John Cazale's yeah. name to kind of get her emotional. Yeah. Uh, which is like. I mean, at some point you're weird. We're professional actors and like we can get there if we need to. You don't have to actually. Right. You know? And you might be thinking, she's like, well, it's Meryl Streep, of course. But I mean, I guess in Hoffman's defense, I'm not defending him at all. He did, no, Meryl Streep, she wasn't Meryl Streep then. That's you know true. What I mean? But having said that, but though. But she was nominated for an Academy Award. Yes, she was. And so, also you don't, and he, I'm sure, was aware of her stage background. Uh, yes, she was. And also, yes. I don't care if it's, you know, the worst actor like Jeremy London and Mallrats. Like, I don't think you need to 
use someone's dead relatives or I dead don't think so. lovers to or smack them unless they're asking you to do it. That that seems that seems wrong. I mean, yeah, I mean, go through the worst performances. You know, Nicholas Cage and Face Off, like. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe I guess maybe, that in that guy, case yeah. maybe you do mention yeah. dead relatives but right. other than that you really I mean like it just seems completely bizarre and, and wildly unprofessional and not needed I mean it's still totally it's, still a, it's still a job like it's not, at, a, at the end right. of the day it's a job and like we're professionals and we're on set and like we can get there we need to you know yeah um, Hoffman is a I mean you see it in this role I mean you see it with a lot of the stuff he does it's that intensity that makes him great but I think it also makes him maybe a lousy person to work with. I don't okay. know if he's a lousy. It seems like he's actually a, a good, oh, that's, okay. He, he seems to be a good friend. He's had a lot of friends for a long time. Hmm. People do speak very highly of him. Mostly yeah. guys. I'll say that too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think I would want to work with someone like that. No. Like in any capacity. I mean, when Jim Carrey was doing that man on the moon too, but it, maybe it wasn't as violent. Yeah. I think that was more annoying, <laughs> more annoying than violent. Uh, but Carrie, uh, Jim Carrey is falls in that line a little bit. I mean, a lot of uh, Christian Bale to some extent. Um, yeah. I mean, Roland Brando was, a, was, a, I mean, uh, Robert De Niro has had done some method stuff. Daniel Lewis. I mean, he, he would, uh, yeah. want people to dress him as Abraham Lincoln off, off, you know, when the cameras weren't rolling. Like, so, I mean, some of these guys, that's fine. If you keep it contained in your own little world, kind of, you know what I mean? Like dress me up. I'm going to interact this way, but not if you're like, not if you're trying to bring someone else there with you by insulting, like, you know what I mean? By insulting family members, by well, hitting them, yeah. by all that stuff. It's like, no, do it for your own self if you want to, but. Yeah, Hoffman can get mean. Yeah, it seems it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, but having said all that, though, um, you know, it, it, the movie works really well <laughs> it because of that tension. And I, I, I do believe that Hoffman Street would have got there without that stuff. But Probably. I, I will say, though, it, 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 it does work. I mean, you know, not his methods, but the movie itself the movie works, and that yeah. tension, those characters, you do believe they were married for, which we never see them happy. We only see them never. upset. So to make that, make us believe they ever were married is, is tough. Yeah. You can see they care about each other. They do. They do. I mean, there's a lot of hurt there, but they care. I mean, they're trying, even when they see each other for the first time, you'd think Dustin Hoffman, they're on the phone first, but for a very brief second we see, but they, they meet in that, in that restaurant, at least in the beginning, they're both, I know they're nervous or they, you could tell they're nervous, Yeah, but you could tell they're, they're trying to be kind to each other they in are. the beginning because obviously they, they, they have that, that history. Although she does say it, you know, two years of happiness. And then it went down from there, but they still, it doesn't, he was never, they made, they made that really clear. He was never abusive. He was always a good dad. Yep. Wasn't an, you know, wasn't an alcoholic. He wasn't he was an adulterous. He was faithful. Yep. He worked hard, yep. all those things. It's just, he wasn't there to support her and kind of poo pooed her her want to like get out in the workplace and do something productive besides yeah. raising a kid, which just sucks. That would be, and if she didn't have any enough confidence to, to push back on that, see why she would feel that way. But at least, but he, I guess that's the one like part did feel a bit dated. Was that storyline? It did, but um, I, that makes sense for, but I mean, the, but this also was a movie made in 1979. So that, that's that, what I mean is their parents would have definitely, that that's how their parents would have been. Yeah. I guess I, I wasn't aware. Cause obviously this came out, you know, when I was, you know, newly born, but I guess at the time, uh, some legal people said, uh, this isn't really, uh, this is not really how a, a custody battle would go. Well, you would, you would see if there was a joint custody situation. Like, well, why I think wasn't the thing that is, I think they would go, they would really, the kid would have a lot more input. Even if as a I guess he, little guy. I guess that's what, they said. that's what lawyers in 1979 said. Well, to, to the movie's defense, 
you have Ted, Dustin Hoffman's character, say, I don't want to get him. I don't I don't want to put right. him in the middle. So maybe they maybe both parents were like that. We just we don't wanna yeah. we don't want this. But to I think affect they still him. want the input from the kid. It would not necessarily be in the stand, but I think they may have had the kid more involved. Yeah, I, mean, I also don't believe a judge would have been quite the judge was like yelling at her at times. Yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah. the lawyer was like it got weird. It did get like, weird. Like I don't think that would ever not happen. for a divorce case, you wouldn't no, because there's I, enough I, nasty I, feelings already. It's not a criminal trial. Yeah, I, yeah. I that to me seems a little bizarre, but um but yeah, but I mean, obviously, you know, Matt or I weren't really, you know, aware of what was happening then, but they did say that, like this feels, but that's th- how those it was court for, scenes felt yeah, dated to yeah, them. Yeah, I could see that. To critics in 79. Yeah, I could see that. But that's at least from a, a family unit there. So my grandparents would have been like that, where that, that's how it was yeah. in my, right. My grandparents, both grandparents' households, the mom was uh, at home, the dad was out at work. So it wouldn't have felt, it was a transition time in the, in the 70s. Absolutely it was. was. So, I mean, we both probably remember a lot of, um, I remember a lot of moms that were stay-at-home moms in my friend, my yep. friend group. Yeah. Um, you know, when Matt and I were kids, daycare was not a regular thing. Like daycare existed, no. I think, but like I didn't, I mean, I'm sure it did, I know, but like I don't know many people that went to daycare. But then like my sister, who's seven or eight, you know, years younger than me in school age, she, I think a lot of her, more of her friends, mm. like in that 10-year time period- Changed. You know, the 80s, rather. Once the 90s began, daycare became a regular thing. Yeah. But daycare was not like the norm when Matt I don't remember kids. doing it much as no. a kid. I probably did a little bit when uh, um, my mom was working. I think she would, yeah, I think my grandparents kind of helped out. But no, there wasn't a lot of, there was a lot of daycare. the majority of kids go to daycare now. I know. I think so. Both parents work and then daycare before then they go right. to school. I don't think that's how, that's not how it, no, I remember, I mean, the second I remember, that's not how it used to be. No, I think I know that there was some like after school stuff sometimes yep. where you'd have like a couple hours of things after school that yep. you could say that if your parents would come need to come in a little bit later, but it wouldn't be for. Well, lots of daycare was like for little ones though. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of times the mom yeah. would stay home for the little ones. And right. then maybe when the right, kid right, right. got a, was six in first grade yes. or whatever, then right, you might stay after exactly. a couple hours. But daycare was not the norm. And then you could, you know, this movie kind of reflects that. Where. And by third grade, I was going home by myself, my sister and too. I. And right. like we were home. I was like home and then we oh, go out yeah. to play. Yeah. Right, right, right. We were home alone all more. Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't know happens either. But I don't think uh, that happens anymore. Yeah. Like I was trusted. At that young age. Like, yeah. Eight trusted at that. Well, yeah, so they, I mean, they would call, you know, our generation a lot latchkey kids. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I, I don't think I don't think happens as much either. But no, no, but like even but but I wouldn't have been home alone in New York City at, at Billy's age. I think it was different in my But uh, I mean in Billy's age when you were seven, like first grade he's in first grade. No, when I was uh no, no, no. When I'm in third, well, by, by the time I was in third, by the time I was in Hooksit, that would happen. Yes, me too. So I was third, right, third grade. My right. sister was two grades. But not, but I was saying, for this, no. the sake of this movie, though, no, Billy's he a first been. grader. There's no way. I was not, especially not New York City. No. Like, there's no. No, no. Yeah. Um, it was different, too, because I had a neighborhood, so I would just go outside and play, and there were kind of parents around. Right. There were, you know, well, that's what happened friends, to Mike. That's right. Around. You go out and play right. and come back in when the streetlights are on. Yes. Because, like, every, you know, everyone kind of knew each other. Yeah. Suburban. Neighborhood. Right. Um, but no, I think this movie uh, handles that. I would really recommend, even if you're a younger person hearing this, you know, like, it's on HBO Max, it's free. Um, and it's, uh, it's a really powerful, interesting, grounded movie that I think everyone should watch. I, I, I definitely give this a thumbs up. It did get cinematography uh, nominated for cinematography. I don't think uh, that made sense um, considering didn't Manhattan not get a nomination for cinematography? That's correct. Yeah, so that 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 feels... That feels kind of shitty to me. Yeah. There I, are some weird shots. Like there's the one where, oh, are they in Central Park? Where you're seeing them kind of walk across. There's like a, almost like beams of, or poles of something. And they kind of walk across some weird shots that didn't make a lot of sense. I thought sometimes here and there. 
I certainly didn't think it deserved a cinematography. Well, I don't uh, think so, especially considering all that jazz is also okay. Yeah, uh, so, uh, and it's. Uh, I mean, I, I, if I had to give an award for cinematography, Manhattan or all that jazz, I give it to Manhattan. Yeah, but it's that's a tough that's a tough that's one for me. One for all that jazz okay. is that good. It's, it's that brilliant, and it's. Uh, I think Apocalypse Now has more interesting shots. Yeah. Than this movie does. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, it was another interesting movie from the seventies. I, I think. I, I think Alien has some more interesting shots in this movie. Does and I'm not trying to knock this movie. I'm just trying. I'm saying no, like, but for cinematography, right? Yeah. Um, no, Alien. Alien does because it's so it's such a weird. Yeah, there's some the, great the ship shots. Is so weird, and then and then it really expands when they get on the planet and right. the like egg shots. But and I think the stuff, stuff in the ship, especially, is, yeah, is really, it's really cool. Yeah, this one best picture. It beat all that jazz. It beat Apocalypse Now. It beat Breaking Away, and it beat Norma Ray. Yep. Um, and then a uh, Benton one director. Uh, as well. Uh, and also Dustin Hoffman won for best actor. He beat Jack Lemmon, the China syndrome. Have you seen that? Probably. I saw it many years ago. He's good in it. It's interesting. It's about nuclear. Um, yeah. Like a nuclear power plant. is starting to. That's right. Bad things. I have happen. seen it. I saw that in film Jane class. Fond, isn't it? Yep. Uh, I saw it in film class as well. Uh, Al Pacino and justice for all, which I have not seen, which people tell me I need to see. I have seen uh, it. You've seen it. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Uh, Roy Scheider, all that jazz who should have won. Um, Dustin Hoffman's very good. in this is better. Uh, and Peter Sellers and being there. Um, haven't seen being there, but we did talk about that. I think on uh, one of the preceding episodes. Yeah, so Peter Sellers. Um, yeah. for some reason, I, I feel like I he's been in he's been in way more movies than I've ever seen because it's, it's Peter Sellers in uh, what's the Kubrick movie, The Bomb? Uh, oh, Doctor Strangelove. Right, he's yeah. in that. Right, he's yep. a, he's Strangelove. Yep. I feel like he's he's in the Pink Panther movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I feel like he's been in a ton of movies that I've never like. He's an acclaimed. Well, he's before our time. That's Is that why he died shortly after this? Mm, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we just missed him. You know, yeah. was he good? Uh, was he that good? I think he was. I mean, I don't, I'm not a, like I said, before my time too. Yeah. I mean, I can, I mean, I, I mean, know I saw the Pink Panther movies as a kid. Yeah, they're okay. Yeah. Not, not my cup of tea, but no. they're, they're fine. But uh, yeah, I mean, every, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't, honestly, I haven't seen enough Peter Sellers movie to really, to gauge an opinion. Yeah, that's how I, I feel about it. I saw Strange Love when I was a, in film class as well. I, that's where I saw um, it. I didn't, it was fine. It I was fine. It, yeah. I mean, it's Kubrick's great. It also like, you know, by the time we saw it, it had been ripped off so many times. It's hard to like, right. you know. It's kind of so old, but even now it was one of his earlier films. Wasn't that, was that 60s Strange Love? Yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah it was, oh yeah, it was, it's 35 years old when I saw it or something. I think it came out, I want to say it came out a few weeks before Kennedy got killed. Oh, really? Either that or it's a mad, 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 bad world. One of those two came out like right before, if I, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong about this. It's right around that time regardless. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I'm just kind of going through here as far as looking through the nominations. I mean, look, Hoffman won, Streep won. Um, uh, obviously, we said Benton won. Um, but I do think, though, like I mentioned earlier, if Kramer versus Kramer never comes out, I do think all that jazz just runs runs the table um, and wins a lot of those awards. I, I don't think, I know, I know history has regarded Apocalypse Now as the better film, but in that time, it wasn't as regarded as it is now. I thought Apocalypse Now was okay. Yeah, I think people really... I think it's pretty good. I haven't seen it in probably 20 years, but I remember not being too blown away by it. Like I thought it was pretty good, but as a seminal movie, I, I got to watch it again. Uh, it's certainly good, but I, I haven't seen it in, in a while. Um, that's one I, I would like to watch again. Um, yeah. And you know, Gordon Willis always got screwed with some, with, with not, but oh, fuck they, yeah. they, they, people just didn't understand what they were seeing yet with him. Um, I mean, you know, does the Godfather movies, does this and doesn't get nominated. Right. It's insane. Yeah. Um, they eventually faded out. They, they, they gave him a, they gave him a, an like Oscar a, at the end, but like a, uh, was it for an actual film or was it like a, no, I think it was for a, uh, like a lifetime achievement kind of thing. I hate that. Yeah, I know it's bullshit. Yeah. Um, 
just have do-overs like uh, Ebert got to do. <laughs> no. Uh, Ebert liked this movie. Four uh, stars yeah. by Ebert. And um, yeah, I think the only thing I disagree with him is he th- is like you, he's, he, for some reason, doesn't prefer one character over the other. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't, he, he doesn't side with Ted over. He's like, you could, you could pick either one. I'm like, no, you have, you could choose a fucking side. Like this is, this is Ted. Like Ted's the guy. Yeah. I also don't think that's that. Yeah. It's, it's obviously like, it's Ted's movie. It's yeah. Yeah. That's, I guess that's the other thing too, is this movie would never be made today. Hmm. No chance. I mean, they made a marriage story, but that was a shared thing. I haven't seen it, but yeah. like, there's no way you would have a, like a white ma- male, straight white male protagonist be like the hero in a movie against a woman with a kid. Like, there's just no chance. I guess not. No, not. If, yeah. There's no way. Yeah. There's no way. And then, you know, but if you're on the left side of things, you might say, well, you know why? You know why? Because we had to deal with, Decades and decades of movies like this one where the white male was a hero. This is our time to have different heroes and stuff. But I I, I can understand that point. Um, but I'm also like, let's just kind of tell stories here and kind yeah, of that's that all stuff I out of it. Yeah. Um, I, I hate the quota stuff. That yeah. to me is, is doesn't make for great storytelling. Um, but um, yeah, but I don't, I don't, at least in 2021, I, I don't see how this movie in its current state, I guess not would be made. And it's too bad because it's a, well, we have it. And we have it's it. really it's well done. It's free HBO Max. And it's not, I mean, we're both guys. So I don't find this to be a woman hating movie. Oh, I don't think so at all. No, I think, um, no, I don't, I don't see that I don't at think all. So. I think it is sympathetic to the characters. Yeah, um, of course. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm sympathetic. I said this before. I'm sympathetic to her breakdown. I understand why she would have, why that would have happened. That makes, I don't, that made her a demon. It just sucked that she couldn't, I don't know. Should have taken the kid with her. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Whole yeah, but sucks. she knew she couldn't. Though. She wouldn't be able to, it wouldn't have worked. If she were really afraid she was going to kill herself, I, I totally get why she would have had to go. And she does say it actually. She tells Bill, she didn't, she said it to someone. I was afraid. Yeah, you know, she said on the, on the, she said on the stand, I'm afraid that I was afraid of like, I don't know exactly. I was afraid what would happen if I stayed or I, I was afraid that I couldn't. Yeah. She alluded to it. So yeah, no, I don't think this is one of hang. Anything else? Nope. Promises? I got a problem. Can you relate? I got a woman. Call it love Promises by Eric Clapton off of uh, Backless. He has like a bit of a run. This is his last. He has a tough. So the album before this is Slowhand. And that's kind of his bigger, like late 70s one um, that has, uh, what's that got? Um, he had, oh, he's got, uh, it was Coton, Slowhand. Oh, Cocaine, Wonderful Tonight, and Lay Down Sally. Yeah. So those are three good size hits, and that was a bigger album. But by now, Eric Clapton's got a shit ton of drug problems. In fact, after this album, he lost his 37-year-old bass player to um, you know, subs- decade of substance abuse. They're barely keeping it together. He is intoxicated, he is drugged out um all through this recording. And to me, it fucking sounds like it. Like 
I like this song. Promises, I think, is a really good song. Lay Down Sally is that same thing. I like it when he does that Americana sort of stripped down, just kind of chucking, shuffling along thing um, because his voice can handle it. He's not the strongest singer. That's the thing, right. Not the strongest singer, so his voice can handle it. It can be laid back. But the rest of the album has no energy. At least no. that's the way that I took it. It's like it's it a just very feels low key album. Yeah. So low key. There's no energy in the band. It's because they're all fucking like they even got um they got this uh who was the guy who produced it? It's Glenn um something. Glenn Johns. He wanted Glenn Johns to to produce this record. Glenn Johns done a shit ton. He did Eagles, he did stuff with the Beatles, he did all over rock and roll, both uh people across the pond in Britain and American too. So it, it, that was important to Clapton because he wanted someone who could, I don't know, British musicians are different than Americans. He wanted that. But he also knew that Glenn Johns was a regimented guy. It's like, we're recording from this to this every single day. It was all scheduled out, like orchestrated in a very regimented way. And Clapton knew he needed that because they were fucking all blitzed out of their goddamn mind. And so the album is a pretty tight album, but it just has no energy. And the songs are just not, not very good. Like um, the other one that charted was, I think it's, um, I'll make, I'll make uh, love to you anytime. I think it's this one hit number 40. Like, what is this? Yeah. It's just, and you got a lot of that on the album. And it's just, it's like lackadaisical blues, just not a lot of passion there. And so it's troubling. Uh, but I do like this song a lot. This, for some reason, it's just, Me this too. is very simple. And you know what I really, I love the bridge so much in this song. The slide guitar and them singing it. It's just so pretty. It's really good. Yeah. It's a really nice song. And Clapton did that, like, basically from this period, from, uh, yeah, from after Slow Hand On, he does, like, one good song, one good hit from, mm. for, from the album. Mm. So I don't like Cocaine. I don't like that song. I'm not a big Clapton guy. I don't like Clapton. I give him a lot of shit, but there are some good ones. Like, when he did... Um, I also heard him too much. That's the other like problem. Wonderful Tonight is a great song. It is, but I don't ever need to... I don't, I'm, I'm, like, uh, I'm done. I'm just done. I'm, the problem is, like, the songs he's done, some of the stuff with Cream, or, or songs that, that I've liked of his, I'm just... I've, because yeah. I don't know if it's where Matt and I grew up. Like we have two classic rock stations here in New Hampshire. We have 100.3 WHEB and Rock 101. And for some reason, both stations just played a shit ton of Clapton. I understand like it's classic rock you play, but I feel like we got more we got Clapton, Clapton than maybe other stations would play. Or maybe I don't know, or just no, but I, or maybe be, they just get tired because his voice sucks, so maybe we just get bored of him. But to know. be fair, like he was in a ton of influential bands. Like you got. Clapton in, in the Yardbirds. Yes, he's not singing, but right. still, we we know those songs like "For Your Love." Yeah, um, we know. He, then he's in Cream. Right. So you've got White Room, you've got um, Sunshine of Your Love. Those are all classic rock songs. Oh, those yeah. are two classic rock bands. You even have Blind Faith, which "Can't Find My Way Home" was a hit from there. Mm-hmm. Can't find my, you know that one, way home. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Steve Winwood sings that one, but it's them. But that's, that's the supergroup. He keeps adding supergroup after supergroup yeah. after supergroup, which is he's kind of the Santana syndrome, though, a little bit. Like, yeah. I feel like he needs a lot of good supporting characters around him. Then he does Derek and the Dominoes, which is Layla. Yeah. But the re- Layla's a good song, and it's him singing. It is, but I'm it's just a, like, uh, sick uh, of it. I'm good. But really, what makes that song is Dwayne Allman is ripping the shit out of the fucking uh, sly guitar and doing these really high, like, amazing guitar licks. So another. He's super young, but amazing guitar player. And then, um, 
And then he does the solo for a while. My guitar gently weeps was of course on the white album. That's yeah. it, but that, you know, Beatles are around him. Uh, Phil Collins produces his album, uh, August and writes a bunch of the songs. A lot of these songs too are not like that are, he's made famous for it. He didn't write. So it's like how much of the is ta- like, how much is it just him and the right? He's a good guitar player. People give him way too much credit. I would say he's more of an influential guitar player than a good, good guitar player. I'd say he's mediocre as a guitar player, but influential. Oh. No, he is. He's just, he's, I mean, he's, he's played the guitar. I say played the guitar solo on, on my, you know, on my guitar. Jam no, that's movies. a good, like, that's yes. Okay. It's but a reason it, they had him come in and do that. What I mean by this is like for that time period, you would consider him a good guitar player, but not as a 1990s guitar player. By that time, he is completely overshadowed by people who just are way better. Like Stevie Ray Vaughan. If you compare a blues player, he, he's a, he grew up blues. If you compare the two, Stevie Ray Vaughan, it, like it, Clapton can't carry his guitar play, his guitar uh, case. Like Stevie Ray Vaughan is so much better. He is a formidable guitar player and uh, compared to, or Prince even, is just way better guitar player than, than Clapton. I'm just saying people overrate him. I think he's good, but not great. But he's more influential than good. But, so there's that. But then how much of his success is really right place, right time, and having some facility? Uh, I mean, I, I don't get all this. I mean, the stuff after this album, after this song, to me, is just dreadful. I like, it's in the way that you use it. Mm. Bow, bow. I like that song. I think that's a good one. There's a few others. Like um, Tears in Heaven is Oh, no. That's, that's so bad. Well, then it gets bad. So 93 is Tears in Heaven. That was a huge hit for him, Monster. as you know. Monster hit uh, about the loss of his kid. And uh, it was the acoustic, that acoustic album. That was, I remember, you know, vividly MTV Unplugged, of yes. course. You had a run of great yeah. ones with Pearl Jam and Nirvana. And- yeah, you have a speckled, sad guy <laughs> yes. in his 40s. And that's kind of the Clapton that I, like, the Clapton I know. Like, yeah. If you, I guess if you're older than us, you probably think of him more of, in this stage, the 70s Clapton, all you drugged do. out and just a mess. But my... When you, when you say Eric Clapton, the first picture in my brain is like the 47-year-old guy uh, doing like MTV Unplugged or whatever, you know, with the, with the glasses on, looking like a businessman. I see that. And then after that, it's, uh, um, do you know the, like, The Eyes of My Father or something? Uh, that song, which is a really, that's not a good one. He did a ton of like that. Like- and, then he, and then he went and did stuff with, uh, so I didn't like the music, but I give him credit for doing this. Then he did all these songs with like B.B. King, which raised B.B. King's presence again because he was such an influence for Clapton. I like when he did, when he would do stuff with, he was friends with a lot of the blues players. He would do stuff with them. Kind of this, I know, you know, Sting, whether you like his his music or not, he does elevate a lot of great musicians. No, 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 no. But he does elevate a lot of great musicians who wouldn't have gotten the exposure without Sting. I like that he does that. Same thing with Clapton. This is a song you like here? Change the world, baby. That's the other one. I think you won. Maybe, maybe you won a Grammy for that. Yeah. I fucking hate that song so Change bad. Change the world. People get old and so dumb. I know, right? It's, it's, it's so it, cheesy. That's what you want to do. No, that's not what I want to do. I will you never. Change the world. I will never write songs like that. That's bullshit it's music. All, it, that song's brutal. Like, same thing. Crosby Stills Nash would come back later, later, later oh, on. I and know, it would be like I some know. cheesy, stupid song. It's like, why do we it's so have re- to it's so do it? funny to me. Okay, like, I think you get really melancholy when you get old. I get It's funny how you lose that. Like, in any other industry, like even in, or other than sports, I guess, the, like if you're under thirty, you, in, yeah, there's some actors that are. But I feel like actors get better as they get older. I feel they like do. a lot of directors get better as they go. There's exceptions, but like it's funny how music, like once you turn, like you just lose it. 
Like, there you aren't do. too many like really good old. I wonder if they put so much pressure on themselves to change with the times because music is so fleeting. Like the styles change all the time, and then and then they feel like they have to as well. There's a rare musician that can keep up with that. Someone like Peter Gabriel can. And but you don't it's see rare. people like come in late. It's not like oh, I'm on this like newcomer, no. 45 year old. Very rare when that it's happens. Very rare. Very rare. And it's like I, I don't know. It, it's 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 tough because his I think uh, his later stuff is is. I like pretending too. That was a later album. Pretending. That's a good one. There's a there's some like there's some late eighties oh, ones that work. This, what this is pretending, right? No, mm, no. Oh, maybe this is. It's got that Don Henley vibe. It does. It's not a bad song. Good. There's that. I'm good. Uh, but then, oh, that's the other thing is on the album. So, so he cleans yeah. up. So he goes in rehab. Well, he's a mess. I mean, he is a mess. Alcohol, heroin. Beats up his wife. Yeah, okay. Rapes so that's his the other, wife. Yeah, he admits to, while he was an alcoholic, hitting or Pat, Patty. Uh, Patty Boyd, who Boyd, was uh, George Harrison's wife. Whose wife first stole wife. that he, you know, wife he stole from George Harrison. Uh, who are friends. Like when. when so <laughs> weird. George Harrison seemed like such a nice guy. After Clapton was just, he, he was so bad. They like forced him into rehab. And on the way to rehab, he was, he just, I think maybe this is common, but just like blitzed out of his mind, just trying to consume as much alcohol because he's thinking that he'll never have it again. But when he gets out, like his buddies kind of help him out. Like Harrison does a like concert with him and, you know, arm around him kind of. And he steals his fucking wife. I mean, Harrison also slept with Ringo Starr's wife. Like, that's fine. Ringo's a, he sucks. You know what I mean? Like, these guys, it's just a weird. Yeah, it is weird. It's an incestuous little circle they've got. Very strange. But like, even, even as but like. Cotton just seems like, kind of, like then Cotton was really drunk, I guess. He was on stage and was saying like, any, everyone who's here, raise your hand. He's in England. He's like, anyone here is a foreigner, raise your hand. People do it. Like, all right. Well, he's like, I want you to leave. He's like, I don't mean to leave the show. I mean, I want you to leave the country right now. When did he do that? Like dr- this same period of time when he beat oh, up, like, yeah. this yeah. drunken. Yeah. He's like, he's like, I don't even know why I said that. Like later on after he cleaned up, he's like, he's like, yeah, that's like, well, that sucks, but that sucks. But, uh, yes. This, that, this is not good. This time period of Clapton is not good. It's rough. It is. But, I'm not saying excuse any of that, but like he is well-respected among his peers, not just as a player, but like as a, he was filling in with all these people. Like he would do stuff with Hendrix. He would just, when Hendrix was up and coming, he like, he loved Hendrix and just was like, Hey, he, in fact, he bought Hendrix a a left-handed strat that he was going to give him. Um, He was supposed to see him and uh, Hendrix died like uh, a few days right before he was, he was supposed to see him to give him this gift, this guitar. Like he just, I don't know. He seemed like he, like a lot of people respected him, liked him. He got to play with like he could, all the, all the awesome players of the day like to play with him. Well, maybe know? he's fun to play with. Maybe not, no, but not just fun to be around. No, I don't think you would. No, they would like hang out, do favors for each other. Yeah. Hey, come on. I don't think they had Clapton come in to do the no. solo to while my guitar gently weeps. If he was a fucking asshole. It's a Patty boy though. I mean, Oh yeah, no, I agree. No, I, no, I can't excuse that. I just think it's a complicated situation. You've got a lot of good and you got some Something bad. Something about Clapton that I, I never, I don't know. He doesn't click with me. And I don't know if it's, uh, it's just, it's a weird, there's a weirdness with him I get that I'm just not a fan of him. I just think he's overrated, but, uh, but his, but he's been in a lot of stuff. He's done a lot of, he's done a lot of things. I don't, he's, he's not a good singer. No, he's not strong. I mean, he's not the worst singer ever, but he's not. He's not good. He's not a great singer, no. And it's just, yeah, I, his music's never really, it's funny, this song, um, 
Yeah, if I had to pick any Clapton song to listen to, like at, you know, this week or whatever, this moment in my life, it would probably be this one. Yeah, that's a good one because like, I like "Lay Down not, Sally" too. It's, it's not. It's a just good overplayed. One. Yeah. It, like, the thing is, like I feel this one isn't as overplayed. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, well, this song is like because there's other stuff. Like I said, "Wonderful Night" is a better song, but I'm just so yeah, tired I of can't it. I'm just so, it. I, I like the thing is like the songs that there are probably songs I like better than this one. If you if I started my life over again, but this is the one I like the most. In this very moment, because it's the one I've heard the least that I still like. But yeah. other than that, I went through a lot of his stuff. I'm like, all right, I'm like, oh my, like, oh, I forgot about this song. This is a good song. So I try to find other. Like I listened to this album, like you said, Matt. Like this album is like just not good, not good. And then I listened to other stuff. I'm like, actually, I don't really like any of his stuff. No, I was scrolling around too, and it was really like one, one good song on each album from here. He's had good songs, but I'm just so burnt out with him. I mean, if I was younger and never knew of Eric Clapton, I'd be like, oh, this 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 oh, fire yeah. eats good songs here. But some of these other good ones, you would you would probably be burnt. Like After Midnight's a good song. That's a very early yes. early song. After Midnight, I know. Let yeah, it all, let it all, hang. it all hang out. That's a good one. Yeah, but like I, I'm good. I shot the sheriff. His version of that is really good yeah. too. I, I, I but I, you're burnt out of it. You're burnt out. Yeah, it's just been around our whole, I guess, part of the problem with covering songs. Like, like my dad would sing that, like, I shot the sheriff, but not should debut. Like, he would, it was, a, it was a song that was like, so like. It was all over the place, even all, on classic rock. It's yeah. everywhere. And it's like, it's, it's never escaped us. Like, it's always been in our life for so long. So it's just like, eh. like, what else, what other songs we covered this week? Who even remembers? Oh, of course, a Michael McDonald. Oh, uh, what a fool Michael believes. McDonald. Yeah, I'm Love like, oh, I'm good with Michael, Michael so McDonald. Good. And then the um, Pina Colada song. Which, yeah, the escape. Like, these are all these things I'm just like, we're just like, I'm just burnt out on. I know. And, and I, a part of the problem is because it's the first, you know, month of my life. And oh, this yeah. has just been in our lives for 40 years. And I don't know, but yeah, maybe if I'm a, if, I don't know how many younger patrons we have, but if I'm a patron in my early or mid 20s and, and maybe wasn't as familiar with Clapton, maybe I would find this stuff to be good. I mean, I did the, I had a Clapton phase with in uh, late high school, early college. Me too. That's, when about I, my, that's about when I had mine too. I did the Southern rock thing. I did the blues thing. I was, I, I was into like the stuff he did with cream. I was like, Oh, this is yeah. like, like bad. It is like, this is a really interesting song. Th- it is good. It's yeah. good. It's a three piece. They have a lot of sound for just being a three piece. They're yeah. really nice. Uh, he's not singing. So that helps. Yes, it does. Um, yeah. They're a very talented band. That's a good one. Ginger Baker and uh, Bruce, Jack Bruce, I think very good band. Um, yeah. Yeah, I liked some of the other. Yeah, I I think th- those were fun to listen to. Although, but same thing with Hendrix. Though I don't I don't like listening to his studio albums. There's a great Band of Gypsies live album that is fucking awesome. I'm not a big Jimi Hendrix guy, but yeah, I'm not but th- that live one is really good. Same thing. I think I'm pretty sure the Cream. There's a live Cream album too, which is good. I think there is. I think I know what you're talking about. So I kind of parallel yeah. those two. Although I like the Hendrix one a little bit more because it's just more out there. It's a really cool. Really cool album. I'm not a huge Hendrix fan, like I said, but but uh, yeah, they've just been a part of our life forever. I was bummed. I'm not gonna lie, I was bummed out. So I heard this song, right? Yeah, so yeah. I to, I, that's how I do it. So I listen to the song first, uh, and then I'll listen to the album technically, yeah. right? Um, so I'm like, oh wow, yeah, shit, I forgot. About this. this is a really good song. Thomas it's a really pretty song. song. Really like pretty. that bridge is really good. Like I'm actually like really like this. Yeah, I listen to the other sound. The fuck? This like sucks. this is just like boring. It's just like oh. Yeah. It's like such a process. You feel like they're like, you feel like it's like they had to be there. Yes. That's how it felt like. It's like, there's no energy to no. this album like whatsoever. If, like if they feel like that, why do I want to listen to and it? And it's not even recorded that well either. I was listening to my headphones. I'm like, it's usually, you know, if good recording in the late seventies, you have a nice, like a very warm sounding recording. It's not, it's just kind of cold and brittle. And his voice is too, honestly. That's the thing I have with him. So I've been listening to a lot of Bob Seger. So yeah. like when I went on Kirk show a couple months ago, Billboard charts guy called in 
and you guys totally blew that, but that's fine. You guys sucked with that. All right, all right, you guys right. suck at that game, right, by admitted. the way. Every single goddamn all right, time. All right, yeah, no, I listen to that right, goddamn yeah. game, and I'm shouting out. All right. Shouting out. But now you know how it feels in a movie podcast with you. <laughs> uh, so when, uh, I, I don't know. I didn't really know a lot of Bob Seger songs. You could probably tell from listening to that episode. But I just, yeah. Bob Seger, for some reason, like my dad didn't listen to him a lot. Yep. And I don't think he got played a ton on the classic. Like, Clapton, I felt like, was on Ooh. 101. And no, we got a lot of- so, so I feel like yeah. some songs were, like, like a rock. That, that one was, and then of course, Night Moves was all over the place. Now, yes, I agree. All over but the place, the other but ones, not some of the other ones. But a lot of ones haven't been. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, oh shit, like, I'm like, I'm really actually, so I've been listening to a lot of Bob Seger lately and there's like a, um, it's funny because like, I probably, like Bob Seger and I probably would, wouldn't have a lot, I don't know, like he just seems like a different guy. He seems like more of like a blue collar. I'm sure that's how, how the movie, yeah. music's marketed, I get it, but he just feels like, I don't know, I'm sure it's party image, but like a trucker kind of guy, you know? Yeah. And like, oh, you know, but the music really like speaks, speaks to me. Yeah. And then like Clapton, I feel like is a bit more cerebral and a bit more like someone I think I would in theory be more interested in. It doesn't because it's like the coldness is there. And it's like, I don't really. I also wonder how hard it is if you're not writing the songs to like really be invested in it. I, agree. I have a hard time playing. Well, I, well, we both, I mean, this has been a common thread of our show is we both seem to appreciate singer songwriters more. It's true. Like it's something we both make a, a note of, and yeah. we both like. Yeah. I, I actually saw the, the argument uh, people are having on bar, Barstool um, had a, a thing like top song, top singers. I mean, they're just trolling us with that fucking list. No, but I'm sure people don't like those. But whatever, yeah. but but, so, uh, but someone mentioned like, oh, well, Taylor Swift might have been a minute fan. I forget. If I'm not saying it right. There I'm are sorry. a few who really like. Uh, but someone's like, Swift. well, Taylor Swift, you got to give Taylor Swift credit because she writes her own stuff. So you got you got to really give her a real. You do a lot of those other women don't. Michael, I agree. That's pretty fair. I agree. Or your instrument, like your voice has to totally be so amazing that it just like, you know what I mean? It has to outweigh the cost of them not doing it. But, but I writing. think you, in my opinion, you always get points for writing your own stuff. You absolutely do. Like, but someone, I don't think Aretha Franklin wrote a lot of her Well, music. that was one of the point they were making was like, you know. But I, she's still, she's so much better as a vocalist than Taylor Swift. There's not, they're not even in the same league. Yeah, no, I agree with that, but I also agree that I do get her. I give her points for that. But I think Taylor yeah. Swift really deserves like like more know. so than like say Britney Spears or right you know, or um she's got a better voice than Britney Spears, but other like maybe comparable singers who don't write it. I agree. I think yeah, I think writing your music really gets a lot. That gets a lot of bonus points for me. I agree because like right, not only is it a craft, but also I think you're right. I think you connect more to it, and it sounds it's it's sounds better. And maybe that is part of the coolness of Clapton. Maybe Clapton's like, he's such a fucking mess too. He is. He didn't write this. He, he two other songwriters wrote this for him. So yeah, he does. He's, he's a mess. I, at he's some point, mess. it's like you too much. And I'm sure there are some people that I listen to that are a mess that oh, I, God, I, yeah. I, but most of the stuff I don't actually like my favorite, uh, alternative is Pearl Jam. Alternative band is Pearl Jam. And Eddie Vedder has his shit mostly together. He does. Yeah, I agree. Like, yeah. I you feel don't, like I, you don't I, see I, a lot of drug problems or there's no domestic abuse. There's none, no. none of that stuff we ever hear with Eddie Vedder. Especially if you think about all the alternative people that have died. Oh, of course. I mean, I know we just Lance covered Staley Smashing and, Pumpkins, uh, but, right. that, but that's a rare one where like they're, they, you know, Billy Corgan stuff like a lot, right. Go through like all of them. I mean, even like uh, Scott Weiland, we, I know we did exactly. a Stone Temple Pilots one yeah. recently, like, or, uh, in the past here on Quantum Weekend, like, uh, he's gone, like- A lot of them. Chris Cornell, like Chris a lot Cornell. of them are gone. I know. Um, so the fact that Eddie Vedder's still still doing pretty well is, but I, I think I always kind of drawn more to the, for the most part, I don't know. The people write their own stuff. People write their own stuff. People I, I appreciate their shit together a bit more. Yeah, I agree too. I mean, like, I, I, you can hear in Clapton, like, 
Yeah, I don't know. He's just such a fucking mess. I wonder if any of my family, uh, sorry, my favorite bands are not. Rufus Wainwright had a drug problem, but he got through it. And I think he's okay on the other side. Like the side. Beasties, like they have their shit, they had their Beasties shit together. Beasties have their shit together, right. So I really like them. Like they're one of my all-time Radiohead favorites. Radiohead has their shit together. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, maybe you, Rolling Stones are one of your favorite. Yeah. But they're still fucking, well, most of them until, you know, God rest his soul. Right. Lot. But they were all, they've all been alive at least. Yeah. I mean, they're obviously, they're a mess though, but yeah. But, um, right. But, but still, they're almost like their own superpower though. Like, uh, I mean, Keith Richards is like not even a human being. Like, no. that's not. That's not real. Yeah, I almost think they're like beyond comparison, those guys. But no, I'm sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure there are exceptions of some music I really love by people who are completely dysfunctional. But with Clapton, you, you, can, you can hear the dysfunction sometimes. Like with this album. This album feels really and with, lazy. With, and with, going through the motions. And then he becomes like the, he becomes like staying in a way. Well, like these like. Well, I think Santana is how I emotional, felt. Oh, yeah. um, like maudlin adult contemporary music. Yeah. Like that's, like, that's what Sting does now. So Clapton became at least Sting can be, can emote though. Clapton's voice is not strong enough to emote. No, it's I agree really with that. cheesy, like well, laid well, back. Sting, Sting's still cheesy, but I mean, now. I mean more. Yeah, like I listened to the songs in the Police, and I can't believe it's the same guy. I almost think it's like it's like a, uh, it's been like a you body get old. swap. I mean, by the time the Police hit, I think he was thirty, so he's like forty by the time the Police are over, right? Something like that. He's an older guy. And so then but he, he he's instantly a jazz. became that guy. He though. loves jazz. He was always that guy. He just oh. he was he he just loves jazz. And you go jazz. You're worse than Sting. I love jazz. Yeah, Man, he probably I loves know, it more than me. Uh, I do love you guys it. Guys are both. How do you not like? There's some yeah. really moving but it's jazz. The jazz it's, it, but but jazz the, singing is different than jazz playing, though. You got to give. You have to say that the jazz singer I do not like, except for Bobby McFerrin. But he's like he's a he's a an exception. Oh, he's an exception. He is the exception. I, I don't like any other. They're jazz singers. I don't like them. Like who? Diana Krall was like big for a little while. Yeah. Pop crossover, crossover in like the early 2000s. Yep. Don't like it. Um, there were a few of them. Pop uh, jazz like crossovers. Right. And I just, I never, the vocalists, I don't like. The scats. I don't like the scats. No. No. It takes a very unique talent like my man Bobby who can, <laughs> uh, who can, who can do that. But, uh, but yeah. no, it's, it's the instrument instrumentalists. Are you surprised there hasn't, hasn't been more favorable Bobby McFerrin stuff, you know, since we've from whom? No, I, I mean, just I, our audience, you know, why? I don't well, that's, I gotta, that's, what, that's what I'm wondering too. I, no, I would agree with why that. would I expect that from oh. our audience? Like, I, yeah. well, I mean, cause, cause they listen to the show, you know, they're, fan, get, they're fans of music to some extent. They must be right. They listen to our show. Oh, they're pop culture that, fans. Not from what you think, you say that people don't listen to this part of the program. I never say, I never say that. Say that. I, I don't say, say that. No, you, you, you took a shot a couple, couple episodes I said, ago. You know, listen to, I said, Kirk, Ask me what I like better. I like the movie part. No, better. you also said that people don't listen to this. You, I've you, never said that. You said I, I've never said that. Maybe that's why that people I, don't, fight. I think you said maybe people maybe that's why people don't listen to that to that part of the show. Because we talked about me being prepared or something. It was a joke. I was fine. I let it, it go. It must have been it must have been I'm making a reference to that, that was a callback to an earlier joke somebody else had made. Because I, I, well, I, I it's because people outside were saying I must that. have yes, making a callback to that, but that. I wasn't but I wasn't saying that with any I was I took it as a sincerity. joke, it was fine. Yeah, no, that's different. We're, yeah, we're that, not that, that, Well that's one I'll, Don't get defensive. Not defensive. No, no, I'm getting we'll go and check, offensive. We'll go and check the tape and then you can tell me how you were feeling at that point. But I let it oh, go. I'm sure I'm sure I, that was, probably, it was a shot across was, the bow. But no, I'm not I'm not no, I think that zero seriousness. People can't get past the style of Bobby McFerrin. And if they only really know, don't worry, be happy. Then I get why they are not going to give it a chance. We played that Blackbird song in the show. You didn't like it, right? But that's such a technical feat that if people don't appreciate the technical component of it, then they're not going to like it. But I do. Um, Sometimes. I wonder if anyone's going to, I wonder if people are going to talk about Bobby McFerrin at the show. 
that we just uh, had. I hope so. I hope uh, so. That'll be, that'll be great. Um, <laughs> but like people listening to Steve Vai won't, maybe would not like that music. Yeah. But it's such a, a difficult task what he's doing. But Steve Vai is not like punchline. Like Bobby McFerrin's like a joke. To whom? To uh, most Americans. Like in what way? Like well, because saying, he's like a one-hit wonder with a goofy song. Johnny, oh yeah, in that video. Yeah, like, but think, if that's think all about you like know. the average American's like I love interaction the with Bobby Parent. It's worry, a joke. Have, he's yeah. a joke. I don't know if do they think of him that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do. I, I don't know. Yeah, like we really Bobby Parent's a joke. Okay. Think of that, that video, the song itself, and he's kind of vanished. Then I'm, I would say, if, yeah, if you don't dig past <laughs> that level, then then fine. Then but like your loss. Yeah, eh, that's fine. That's, yeah. A, that's how I think about yeah, it. I mean. There's some amazing musicians out there that people will never come across. And that's true. too bad. Gaz Coombs, I think is a, did I, do you see You've been it? saying that. You've been saying, oh I, my I, God. I his personality. You gotta, he's got two out. Well, he was in a couple, he's in at least one band before What that. kind of music is it like? Give me a comp. Uh, what is it? Gaz Coombs, you said? Yeah. Check, just check it out. It's, it's, it's indie. Um, it's on kind of the same spectrum as, you know how I love the, uh, one of the albums from the War on Drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I've mentioned I probably said that. I don't know if you ever checked it out, but very. It's kind of on I, that. I like some of this. this stuff's okay. Oh, I love. I, I, love not bad. I, I wouldn't. Shouldn't. No, they're fine. Um, it's kind. I tried to get into them like ten years ago, right? It's like when they were bigger. Warren drums. No, no uh, twenty eighteen was when uh, their last album that I re- that. But that when were they like? That, I don't know if they've ever been big. I, I didn't know. I don't know them at all. I didn't know maybe? them until someone pointed them out to me a couple like a year ago, year and a half ago. I feel like they were Andy Darwin's like a decade ago. Maybe uh, he's the lead singer's married to. Oh, you, you'll know the actress's name. She was. Um, she was the girlfriend who died in. Um, uh, fuck. Um, in Breaking Bad, uh, Jesse's girlfriend. Oh yeah, yeah. What's I know her name? About, uh, Kristen Ritter. Yep. How about that? Yeah, uh, they're married. Uh, yeah, they, they were. They've been around for a long time. Um, I, I know he's had a few albums, but the, yeah. the last album in 2018 is just a fun. It is a. I think they put a new fun, album this year, right? No, I hope so. I don't know. I haven't, yeah, I haven't so, looked at so, it. But phenomenal. But in that realm, but he's British, so it's got a different uh, tilt to it. Okay. Um, love it. I, I, his two albums I love. Yeah. They're amazing. But I don't know. If you don't go out there and look for things, you're not going to find them. It's true. Right? It's true. It's very, very Same thing wise. with Bobby Fair. There's probably other musicians like that too, where that I uh, like Bela Fleck people probably, or the Bela Fleck and the Fleck tones. I love, they are such, they are an amazing band, but people might have heard like one song. And but they're not like a joke it. though. Like that's different. Like you all say these people that, but, mentioning like, are like, but you think like different. Eight, you're saying like, a, like a, um, the majority of the population when they think Bobby McFerrin, they're like, ha ha ha. No, they like, like, oh, that fucking douchebag. Like, <laughs> they're like that dweeb. No, no, no. What do you mean? I don't think anyone's saying that they they since 1988. Uh, no, I think they were thinking like how you would perceive like a one hit, what corny one hit wonder in your mind. Think of one. Oh, maybe. yeah. That's how people perceive Bobby McFerrin. You so didn't like know Mac- this? So like Macarena? Yes. You think people, maybe they do. I don't they're know. Do. I'm telling I you don't do. have that experience, so I don't well, know. I just can't believe you don't. Well, but, I believe it, but it doesn't mean that I am, exper- no, 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 but, no, no, but no, I don't no, experience that. I don't understand how you haven't experienced it. It's some, oh, this is, I don't talk to Bobby McFerrin a lot. I, who who well, am I talking to? Bobby McFerrin. You're talking to like uh, other people. But that like, doesn't come Bobby on. So Don't Worry Be Happy came out early. And I was probably in second grade when that, no, when that came no, out, No, right? no, it was 89, right? 88. I remember it was big. I was in third or fourth grade. She so was in fourth or fifth grade. Wait, wasn't it in, um, I'm trying to think of it. Wasn't it in, uh, it was in Cocktail. Yeah. So, so 87, 88. So I would have been, I was, I was in North Andover when that motherfucker happened. I don't think I was in Hooksit yet. Okay. I mean, I, I remember when it was huge. I'm, you're younger than you. So I, I mean, it was a corny. No, I remember it being huge, yeah. but like, but it's not like anything that anybody's thought about since then really. No, but they? like, 
Well, you like Bobby McFerrin, so like you never mentioned Bobby McFerrin to like a, a one of us. Like, My musician friend group, right? Right. But out of that friend group, who else to, am I talking to? I talk I, to I you. other human beings. There aren't any other. This explains a lot, actually. <laughs> this explains mean? a lot. I'm not gonna be friends with people who don't like Bobby McFerrin. That's, that's the, the thing. way that's it's gonna right. be. That's, that's, no, I, it's not like I like share other human beings you might have worked with or so it, it wouldn't anything. Bobby McFerrin wouldn't come up in in conversation a lot. Because I, I, it's like a cult love of mine. It's like a. It's a not. I know, but then why? Like, I, it's not like it's a, just, I, I'd be like, hey, you know, what? it's just part of like this. You know what? I, I went home living. last night, and you know what I did? I, I laid down. And I listened to some Bobby McFerrin. No, like that never it. came out of my mouth. That's not it. But then, like, it's just like, how do I know that he's a joke? Then, like, how did I know that the reaction was going to be what it was? Like, it's just like because it's just like it's just osmosis. You just pick it up by just existing in the world. You exist in a very weird world. I think. No, no, I, think I, no exist. I exist in the real world. I think you exist in the musician friend world. No, I knew that eighty percent of people were going to laugh. At you you said that. 80%, but I don't know that that's not number. All right, sorry, 77. Uh, I knew that a grand majority is going to think that that's ridiculous. Maybe, I don't but know. You, well, they did, Matt. Do you not remember this? I remember, yes, but that, see, I think that you are <laughs> like, I think that, no, I think you're pulling, what? So the people, some people on Twitter, most the people, people who like Bobby McFerrin aren't going to talk a lot about it on Twitter. Why? It's a small subset of it's our a audience. Small, it's a very small subset. <laughs> no, of I mean anybody commenting. So I got I got four comments. Right. What I got seven comments. Like but, what? Right. But it was but it wasn't like people were like, oh, I don't really know him. It's like what the fuck, Bobby McFerrin's like. You, people say his name. And people start laughing. You don't. So I mean, you don't, like, see that? It's just so bizarre. To no, me. I just don't care. That that's, I understand. Uh, you know, that's different than not caring. You're always, that's always your go-to. That's not a great one. It's it's not about caring or not caring. It's about just like perceiving. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't think about it much, honestly. Like, it doesn't bother me, so I don't, I don't think about, about it. I don't think about it either, but it's just like, I don't like sit around and go, Bobby, like, before we had the episode, I'm like, Bobby Ferrin, Bobby Ferrin, Bobby Ferrin. Like, I am talking for the street. Like, what do you sounds, like, sounds like you're taking no, polls. It's just like, it's sounds just like existing. It's sounds just like, like you're going to Thanksgiving and you're asking your family, what do you guys think about Bobby Ferrin? Right, Ferrin? but obviously, you know, I'm not doing that. So it's just like, it's just like, it's just maybe. Maybe just being aware of people's reactions when, like, some, like, that song comes on the radio, if it ever comes on in the last 30 years, seeing how people react to it. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe just in like media, like whenever like a Bobby McFerrin or Don't Worry Be Happy so comes up. So it probably happens so disparate. Like it probably happened yes. this year over here and then 10 years later. I agree. And maybe yes. you just have a better memory to catalog all the times that you've, you've encountered Bobby McFerrin in your life. And I just, I don't because most of my experiences with Bobby McFerrin right. are very positive. <laughs> so I don't think about the other negative ones. It just know, it doesn't I stick. I don't I care. I know, I, no, I know you're, you're saying you're right. that it doesn't matter. No, when, we've had this argument before. Yeah, yeah. But like, you have to act, maybe not for you, but I have to act actively say, I want to remember that thing. That's how it works. Yeah, that's crazy to me. That's how like life works. I don't think so. No, because then you're focusing on the things that you want. No, you just you like remember what you see. Well, sometimes, yeah. Yeah, but if, it, like if, but if, if it's not important. If right, no one have any bad memories. No, if it's, Im- no, that's not true because no. You have bad memories because it, memories. no, 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 no. Because bad memory, no, they leave an imprint on you. But what doesn't leave an imprint on me is a couple people who've said they don't like Bobby McFerrin. I don't give a shit. So why is that going to leave? I would, I would love not not very long time. I'd love to spend uh, I don't know, say sixty one minutes in your brain, like to be like in your mind. I think you'd for, love it. For an, I think you'd be like, wow, this is a really talented, smart motherfucker. <laughs> I'd, I'd like I'd like to be able to play instruments. That'd be kind of fun. Like, oh, I can I can play any instrument. That's kind of cool. Yeah. But uh, the other stuff would be baffling. <laughs> I don't know. Would you want to Would you want to spend some time in my mind or no? Um. Yeah, sure. Just to have the experience. Yeah, of yeah, course. Right, I, yeah. I'm I'm into experiences. Yeah. I want to know how things are. Yeah, how things work. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I've sized you up though pretty well. Oh, really? oh yeah. Well, look at you. <laughs> can't can't remember anything. But, but yeah. we're we're arguing Bobby McFerrin again. People it's, are it's, so excited about it. 
<laughs> it really is like, and that's why I love doing this show with you. It really is like doing a show with an alien sometimes. It really is. It's wild. It's just, it's just wild. This stuff. That I mean, I've just had all the other cultural experiences. I understand. I understand. It's just, <laughs> just, say? This is crazy. I did watch Harry and the Hendersons. Like I did, <laughs> watch, right. did watch Alf. Right. I did watch, like I've yeah, seen all of the stuff. Kind of the thing is right. You'll see those things. Like, all right, that's like most of the stuff. I think like there's, there, I think it's a fewer amount of things that you pick on. I don't know if they were more instrumental in your life or no, they just, no, 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 no I don't mean no. instrumental. I mean, I wonder if they were a bigger deal no. in your life. No, no, no. Not at all. Like Boy Meets World seems like it was a really big deal it for really you. It really wasn't. It's a huge it's, deal for you. It's it's a huge deal for society. Like Topanga is a major TV character of the last 20 years. I'd say she's probably, or the last 25 years, I'd say she's probably in the top 20. And so I just want to know how this how I mean, this like for popularity, you, I don't, do, I'm not saying she's a- No, like, I, I, get it, like, I get it, I get it. I'm saying from a strictly- right. so Tony Soprano, I get it. Yeah. But right. you're, uh, you, so what would happen? You, did you watch the show at all? A Boy Meets World? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen a few episodes, yes. Okay, maybe yeah. that's the difference. I don't think I've seen any episodes. But because I, I wonder how it would have worked. Like, if you didn't see any of the episodes, but you heard Topanga, would you have... At the our, We didn't have Google. Like, I, I'll have a lot... <laughs> like, no, you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, if I hear that yeah. name, I guess I'd have to ask someone, oh, who the fuck is Topanga? And but then like, have a I've conversation about seen, it? I've never seen a full episode of Alan McBeal, but I could tell oh, you... Oh, I have. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right, but I could tell you a good amount of the characters. Yeah. But I've yeah. never seen the show. Yeah, I guess maybe... So just because people talking about it around, or you've seen commercials, yes. you've seen some commercials. Commercials, people I didn't watch it. I just, just maybe just you watch more TV than read. me. I think. I think that's part of it. I don't it. think I. I don't know, but maybe I have. But I also like just read. I I read a lot too. Yeah, but I would read the paper too when yes. we were growing up. And right, and, the paper uh, has an entertainment section. I know. Yeah, I get it. And they would write about Alan McBeal. But I guess if they were writing, if they were writing about something I didn't, I wasn't yeah. watching or something, maybe I wouldn't. I wouldn't right. care. I probably wouldn't read it. Mm. Like I'd have to be inspired to read it. Like right, right, like. No, well, that's how it works. It's, it's like, not how newspapers work at all. Well, I guess they have like headlines, but then in theory, like. Well, I didn't read, I never read a paper front to back, but I would read. Really? Uh, not the whole way through. No, who has time for that? It's a daily newspaper. When we were kids, though, when we were younger. In our I would early, read the front page. In our late teens, and, early 20s, it, the paper was a, was a really. No, I would read some stuff. Like I read the sports and I would yeah. read the front page and some of the other stories I thought were interesting. I've been so bored before in my life, I've, like on traveling and stuff, where I've read like a complete like USA Today. I've read a complete, oh, I've read a complete um, New York. Oh. New York uh, Daily News. Yeah, times, yeah, 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 yeah. That, sometimes that would happen. Yeah, I was never a big magazine I mean, guy. Like, you know, before phones, people got to remember, like, I know we had nothing. Like, so you'd get a Herald, and sometimes if you were just stuck somewhere, yeah. you would read it like twice. Like, yeah. you're so fucking bored. Yeah. Like, I've been that bored like a number of times. Mm. I mean, anyone growing up in the '90s or the thing is, you didn't have you didn't have a lot of people around you either when you were in Stratford, right? I did though. I'm talking. I think having people around me helped me with this. I think almost like you didn't have people around. because no, I, I was playing with people all the time. Like I was out. I, I was, was out doing as well. You keep saying that. I was out too, Matt. I was also out. Are you sure? I'm trying to figure out like how you, how you got all this pop culture stuff then. You think it's just because you were around people at school? I don't know. I mean, I, re, I, have, I think I have a good memory. I, I think read you have a, a good lot, memory. But I mean, the reason I know about a lot of this is because I'm talking to people. I feel like you don't, the whole thing, Bobby, go back to Bobby McFerrin thing. I don't think you do talk to people. About That's, Bobby McFerrin? No, no but I do talk to people. a lot of things. So like, you don't know who Topanga is because you just, you've never just had, like, I don't think you're having conversations outside of your interests at time. Before this show, maybe or yeah, maybe, maybe this show. I don't know, but that's you know, that's interesting to me because then like this. Well, I was like, social. In, I was social in multiple groups though. Like I had music friends. I had sports friends. It's just you know, it was. It was but did more you ever talk about that. music with the sports friends or no? That would never happen. I'm sure I did. All right, a little bit, but not real. I mean, what not the, about what are sports friends. Like who are these people? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> well, I played. You know, I played sports throughout my entire life. Right. So right, yeah. I mean, but when you were in your 30s, did you have sports friends? 
Uh, well, I'm th so my early thirties was in California, right. and it was a very transient area. Yeah. Like I yeah, did, I, I was too. at a, uh, um, I, I did a, a softball league like once, one fall, I think. But no, some music friends, but there were it really people were in and out of that. I all love, the time. I love the sports friend. It's like, hello, sports friends. Let's talk about <laughs> the Red Sox outfield. <laughs> I mean, sports friends. No, people, I play. Let's talk about you the son outfield. of a bitch. You call them music friends, so I'm calling them music friends. <laughs> what do you call them music friends? That's what you call them. Well, what do you want me to say? I don't my know. Friend, like, I just I don't no, okay, classify wait, when my I say, friends. When I say, no, no, no. When I say my music, no, in my music friends, because I was in the music department in, right. not like in high school yeah. and in, in college, and the music department was so big in my high school, there were hundreds and hundreds of people in it. So that was a lot of my friend group, like, because we were all doing all these classes right. together and extracurricular stuff, doing concerts, playing in bands together. Right. I was playing in a lot of bands. Like yes. I was playing music with people right. a so lot. that I did not do. Right, so I, I don't think, have any of those experiences. So actually, that that took up a lot of entertainment. Like by the time I'm my sophomore year in high school, I'm playing music a lot, right? Like practicing. It actually sounds like I was outside more than you potentially. Um, I hate to break it to you. I'll no, because I was still playing talk. sports oh, all no, the way through. Of course, right. But I didn't do it. But I I would I didn't have any of those band experiences. So That's my, true. My stuff was going. But still with other people. I guess we were doing other things. So yeah. I was playing with my friends. The, the, the friends you you've met some of these people like that's who I would go and play with. I would just go play with them in backyards and stuff. I wasn't. Yeah, doing, we would do that too. I'm sure. Yeah, but that's all we would do in right. you know, to some extent. Yeah. Um, no, I was practicing. Yeah, I was I was playing guitar. I was writing right. songs. I was hanging out playing. That that might have been a different a bit. That could that could have been a big yeah yeah. So amongst those friends we were talking about, right? Whatever pop culture was interesting us interesting to us at that time, right. and it tended to not be Boy Meets World, unfortunately. <laughs> like you right. and your sports friends. Yeah, it was not me, my sports. I don't have. I don't have. You and your sports friends. Hello, sports friends. <laughs> How about that goalie on the Bruins? So <laughs> what I mean. The what a great sports people I played, they had, eh? People who I I played uh, team sports with, you know, but like baseball, but like soccer. Kirk was Kirk Minahan, the great Kirk Minahan. In case people don't know who he is, like everyone's listening. <laughs> Great it's so weird. I, well, it's so weird to like. There are people who we we've talked about. We've talked about it. No, but, but it's it's so weird to address him as Kirk. I know it's weird, but like just saying Kirk. I know. And not Kirk so Minahan. I want to say Kirk Minahan, but then it's, it's like everyone knows it's who he Kirk is. Minahan. But you, but people say that all the time anyway. That's weird. Uh, anyway, uh, so. Uh, but Kirk, Kirk played basketball. Like was a great basketball player. I guess he, he was, was like yeah. really good. Uh, but he knows all his pop culture stuff. I'm sure he was outside with his friends. He also has pretty much a photographic motherfucking memory. His memory, yeah, his memory is incredible, yeah. I mean, so is yours. You have a really great memory. You do too. Both yeah, of I you do. do. Yeah, his is better yeah. than mine. I have yeah. experiential memories, but I don't, I don't, not with facts. I'm not, mm. I'm never good about that. I could hear stuff really well. Yeah. Like I can remember how right. things, but like in my head, yeah. I can compose things. Like the parody song that uh, everybody heard last night, I, I compose that in my head. People like that. I think so. It was weird. Though. <laughs> it was weird. It was weird though. It, it, one guy did not like it. He, one guy was. Yeah, I talked to him after the show. He said it was anti-Semitic. Did he really? I, I, I didn't mean it that way. The more I thought about it, I agree with him. I didn't mean it that way. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. Uh, but I wrote that entirely in my head. Like, yeah. Right. As I'm passing, right. uh, passing through like the day, like going, taking a shower or whatever. It's, I'm, that's what, you know. Yeah. That, that's what I'm concentrating on is like putting music together. That's what I, that's what sort of haunts me. So. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I guess. I but know. I say I genuinely enjoy it because you you. But you know Harry and Henderson, so you're not a complete alien. That's a, that's a pretty good. I've reference. seen a lot of movies. Well, no, I know, I that's, a lot of movies. that's kind of that's kind of like not you know that's a that's a random it's, one, right? Yeah, so a little like, bit more. Right, right, like you know, 
Yeah. Uh, but you know that, right? Yeah. It's like, all right, so so he's not a complete alien. But then you won't know other things. You're like, what? what where is this guy from? Of, I think it. I think it really has to do with time period too. Like, so before I'm like 13 and under, I'm probably watching a lot more TV. Yeah. I would think. Yeah. I feel like your so 80s early knowledge is pretty stuff, good. Yeah. Or at least I remember it. Uh, yeah. Your 80s stuff is pretty good, actually. Yeah. But then after that, it's a lot of MTV. Yeah. And music stuff. And because of the band thing. So if you probably, you probably had a lot of, um, you could kind of do a lot on your own in New York, I'm guessing in your neighborhood, even as a younger age, or at least the friends that I knew who grew up in New York were like responsible. were like, Going out to lunch from their school and you know yeah, what I, mean? we, like, I couldn't do that. It was more suburban than that, but like I could, yeah, but like we had pretty much free reign once, yeah. once school was over. Well, I feel like, so maybe you had that, but I, but I had a lot of free reign with my friend group just because we were doing all these extracurricular activities together through band stuff, like bands and choirs and whatever. Yeah. So we were all, we were together a lot, but I think it was very insular. Yeah. It was the same group of people for that stuff, for the music. So once like I hit ninth grade. It really started to be that. Yeah, I think that's also why you don't take like the ball busting well either. I think it was so insular. You know what I mean? Like, it oh, was, I didn't. We've talked about that before. I had more sensitive friends. I right, really right, did. But, yeah. Right. But yeah. You know what I'm saying it was we such an no. insular. You know what I mean? Like, and they were all probably sensitive. It was people. also really co-ed too. Right. It was male female. It yep. wasn't just male dominated. Right. Even the yeah, I, I had a lot of female friends. I bet you did. So it's yeah. it's another situation where I think men were like dampening that. Um, Maybe that that, that like sort of primal thing, yeah, yeah, a little bit more because they didn't want to come across as aggressive, right? Too aggressive um, for the ladies. I, I yeah, I think I think that's a lot more common. Even in college, that's what how it was. You say you didn't even fart in your dorm. You leave. You leave. I'd go to the goddamn bathroom. I didn't want to. I'm not going to fart in other people's faces <laughs> like you do. <laughs> cup of soup. Uh, I can't believe you gave a cup of soup to that old person at the at the show. That was deserved really weird. It. That person nice deserved it. Well, oh, why? They're gonna fuck with you like that. Eighty-year-old man was there. It was very strange. <laughs> I don't know where he came teabag from. you in the face. I got a. I got a counter that was something. Oh my god! What? What happened? Yeah, yeah when they teabagged you in the face. That's weird. I had to do something no, about it. No, no, no. Was gonna come. Now you're them. making stuff up. Oh, you're making stuff. No, up. I don't think I was. <laughs> yes, you were. No. I hope I don't say anything like like you're suggesting right now. I feel terrible. <laughs> I hope you did. <laughs> I feel so bad. No, no one's a weird slip. It'd be like a like some sort of Tourette's. Now it's in your head. Right. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Quantum Leap was fine, but that's it was racist. A weird and, salute. And really hates Jewish people. What was with that mustache? Yes. What was he thinking? No, Matt. Matt. Matt will. Matt will be a good show, and uh, people will have enjoyed Ooh, it. We'll find out. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, we're back next week. Yeah. You done? Yeah. God damn it. Yeah. Yes. We're uh, back next week with uh, well, the live show. Right. The live show will be on Saturday. So if you and then didn't go, Primal Fear and uh, a song we haven't picked out yet. Is that in the Slack? All right. It's not. Okay, so why don't no. we do that so that I can all right, all right. come up with uh, what well, the we music is going to be. Right, I'm not going to even think about it until after the live show, but yeah, I can, I can put it in the Slack. That's fine. But I'm not going to even think about this You're song. slacking. You're a slacker. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you hear that? Was that the kind of joke so it hit it, hit it big with the band kids? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the ladies loved it. Good one. I liked how it wasn't very aggressive. <laughs> That's what it was. But it still teased him. What, were you mean to the all, the all your girlfriends? You were mean to them? Were you ball busting them? They must have liked that. I didn't. Uh, I didn't have a lot of friends that were women. Yeah. Put it that way. Like, yeah. Almost my friend group is almost always entirely all guys. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, I, I, yeah. It's just always been. It's always been that way my entire life. Um. Yeah. That's just. I don't. I don't think. Yeah. I think it's. It's too. It's too much for. 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, but all that, so the music stuff was all co-ed, so it makes sense. Like, you just have to, you adapt. You grow up, plus I was, I mean, I was raised by my mom. for the, I mean, you were too after a certain point, I guess. Yeah. But uh, I think mostly raised by my mom, so that's going to be more sensitive to And sister, yes. yeah. He, at the end of the day, he's just a sensitive guy. Just a new I hope, he, I hope he'll give you a lot of hugs. Uh, Probably a lot of hugs with COVID, I can't imagine. Probably don't know. I'll be a lot of hugs. No, I don't not think lately. So. No. Maybe all the hugs at the show? Probably not. I'm not a very uh, huggy no. person. No, uh, with my wife, of course. But uh, no, I, 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 like, I like to keep my distance from people. <laughs> Remember that from the live show. Expl- explains your uh, social media presence. <laughs> it's true. Um, I think that's it. Shall we call it? All right. Thanks for last night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, loser. He's probably blocked half you by now. <laughs> <laughs>